1: With just one more sleep into the season premiere of BattleBots, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke.
2: I'm Lindsay.
3: And I'm Kyle.
1: And today on the podcast, our interview with BattleBots showrunner, Aaron Catling.
2: We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. And this is a weird one, so you don't (laughs) want to miss it. (laughs) If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots. And tell a friend. We really appreciate all of your support.
0: Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have seven news items for you today. Let's start with a ton of news from BattleBots itself. First up, the first episode from BattleBots Season 6 premieres Thursday on the Discovery Channel. Warming the hearts of Sabe's Everywhere, the episode is titled Slash and Burn and has the following description, quote, Buckle up as bots from around the globe return to the BattleBox to face off in the world's top robot combat tournament, including reigning champ Endgame from New Zealand, launching its title defense against Hydra, the biggest flipper on the planet. Remember to set your DVR to record the season and check your cable provider on the time that they plan to air the show. It typically airs at 8 p.m. local time. In related news, it appears the show will also premiere this week on the Discovery Channel Canada. In previous seasons, new episodes would air in Canada up to two weeks after they premiered in the U.S., if you don't have cable, BattleBots will again stream this season on Discovery+, Plus, which costs $5 per month with ads and $7 per month without ads. We'll get more details later this week about the show appearing on other streaming platforms such as Amazon Prime and Hulu. In a note to the fans, BattleBots said the show could appear on other streaming platforms 24 to 48 hours after the episode premieres on cable and Discovery+. Meanwhile, BattleBots says its international distributor is hard at work selling the show to networks outside North America, where it will begin airing later this year. As a, quote, gift to our international viewers, BattleBots will begin showing selected fights from seasons one through five on its newly revamped YouTube channel. Those older fights will only be available to YouTube accounts outside of North America. Speaking of YouTube, BattleBots will begin publishing its unaired fights each week on Sunday, complete with commentary and full audio. Those fights will be made available a couple days early for BattleBots supporters on Facebook, giving you one more reason to subscribe and support your favorite TV show. And finally, one last bit of BattleBots news. Starting this week, BattleBots will begin selling limited edition t-shirts and hoodies on Amazon that commemorate each main event fight, starting with this week's main event, Hydra versus Endgame. Meanwhile, Bots FC unveiled its new season 6 team jerseys, which went on sale on their website. But the biggest merch story of the week comes from Will Bales and Hypershock, which launched a new loyalty program called Hype Machine. Purchase items to rack up Hypercoins, which you can then turn in for stickers and exclusive gear. And finally, team Orbi Captain Chuck Yu Huang is in Las Vegas this week for the Consumer Electronics Show. He managed to meet up with Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters, Jackpot teammate Shea Waffles Johns, and Deep Six team member Brad Hanstead, who took him to see a robotic bartender that works on the Las Vegas Strip and introduced him for the first time to Mexican food. And that's it for this week's news. Uh, maybe it was their fourth meal of the day. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, I feel like I'd be so delighted if I was introduced to Mexican food for the first time. Uh I don't know, like, it's uh, it's just, that's the best part of that entire story for me. Uh, now, before we get into our interview with Aaron, I cannot believe that I'm saying this because it feels so incredibly sudden, but it is yet again time for BattleBot Snap Decisions where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. If you'd like to send us your predictions, look for our weekly predictions thread on Facebook, We'll give you a special shout out if you happen to call all of the fights correctly. All right, uh, are you ready? I guess mentally, emotionally, physically prepared to uh, cast your predictions, Chris, Lindsay, and Kyle. No. Historically,
1: I've never been ready.
3: (laughs) No, I'm not ready. This is early season is the worst. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you have the you have the least amount of data to go off of, you know, for your for your snap decisions. Yeah exactly.
2: I'm confident. <laughs> Lindsay.
0: There you go. All
2: right, let's let's start
0: <laughs> off with let, let's start off with Lindsay because she's feeling so confident. Okay, our first fight of the night for Thursday, our season opener is going to be Sablaze versus Minotaur. Lindsay, your thoughts.
2: Okay, I was actually talking to Chris about this earlier because this is a really hard one. I, when I watch BattleBots, I also bring, like, my emotions and, like, empathy to the show. Like, it's hard for me to just watch it, like, bot versus bot. It's, like, the team and their stories and their lives and, like, how will this make them feel? So it can be exhausting at times. Um, but, like, I know that. You know, Minotaur is coming. They don't have Marco with them this time. Daniel Freitas has had, like, a really hard year losing family members to COVID. And, like, uh, it's just so hard, right? Like, I nev- I don't want them to lose. But I'm never going to root against Sawblaze. Like, I'm just not. So my answer to this is Sawblaze. I think it's actually a pretty good matchup for them. Um, but it will... Make me sad to see Minotaur lose if if Minotaur loses because like I know how emotionally charged they must be coming into this season. So it's like a really complicated one for me. But uh, at the end of the day, I will say Sawblaze.
4: All right,
0: good, Chris. Your thoughts?
1: Um, ah, beautifully said. Uh, I I historically love Minotaur. I've always wanted to see them, uh, you know, in a uh, in a finals. But I think like just rock, paper, scissors of it. Sawblaze is a is a bot that's really kind of designed to uh to, to handle types of, of high energy weapons that, that don't have a ton of reach. I mean I mean case in point Minotaur. It's a it's a bot. I don't know what, what the, if we're gonna be running like tons of top armor, but Sawblaze certainly has an advantage there with that scoop and and chop. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say sadly Sawblaze will probably take this, but what an exciting match uh, to kick things off with. Good. Well said. I hope Minotaur gives Jameson hell.
2: I I do think it'll be a judge's decision. Yeah. All right,
0: Kyle, your thoughts. Uh, Sawblaze versus Minotaur.
3: I actually do not think it'll be a judge's decision. Uh, I think that it will be a pretty decisive win for Sawblaze because... Uh, it all comes down to the forks. Sawblaze has the beefiest forks in the game. They can actually stand up to that drum on Minotaur pretty well right now. And, uh, I think they're going to tear them up. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Uh, I think this season I'm going to recuse myself because I uh, I went to uh, to BattleBots for a week, so uh, I I know some of the outcomes of some of these fights. So uh, you know, I feel like uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it's going to be the three of you weighing in, which I think is fine. Um, okay, uh, Kyle, we're going to stay with you. Uh, our next fight of the night is Uppercut versus Gigabyte. Your thoughts on this matchup?
3: Uppercut. Um, I honestly I. Like, Gigabyte's a, a very powerful bot. They've done some great work. It's pretty bad rock, paper, scissors for them with this. Uh, and if Uppercut's even two-thirds of what it was last season, they, they stand no chance.
2: Okay.
0: Lindsay, I know you're a big fan of Gigabytes. Are you uh, going to be going with the uh, the Giga Boys?
2: Oh, I don't like that phrase. Is that is that a colloquial term? Or did you just make that up?
0: Giga Boys. Giga uh, Boys. Listen, Lindsay, you're you're one of the first members of the Giga Boys. It's a brand new group. <laughs> I
1: thought we were the Shock Boys.
2: <laughs> no, Luke is a Shock Boy. <laughs> uh, um yeah, uh, despite my my uh no, I mean, you know, no no shade to anyone. I do think that this is um again a good matchup for Uppercut. Um I think Their, like, um, armor uh, wedge configuration is really going to kind of control the show. Um, It'll be interesting. Like, I don't know how the angle will work in terms of, like, that punching arm hitting Gigabyte. Um, I don't know the height and, like, the angles, if that is actually to their advantage. But I do think that they will have the pushing power and the control that will ultimately win the fight for them.
0: Interesting. Chris, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if Uppercut is is rolling out that, you know, really kind of defensive, chonky front plate that helps scoop things up into that, uh, I hate to call it this, but I'm going to resume calling it for this season, the Fister. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I I think uh, giga, Gigabyte is going to uh, gigabyte the dust.
2: Are the Giga Boys gonna get fisted? Oh.
1: <laughs> wow! Now you just took it too far.
2: That's what you just said.
1: You can only Chris? take a fisting joke so far, Lindsay.
3: <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, lies detected. Chris, you love calling it that, and you know you love, calling, love calling it
4: that. i love calling it the fister. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Chris, let's stay with you for the next fight. Switchback versus Gruff. Will this be the uh, first time of the season that I'm stuffing my face full of stickers? You know, will Switchback be uh, taking this one home?
3: Hold on, hold on, wait. Are you going to stuff your face full of stickers every time they win? Yeah, every single time. That's not the original agreement. Are you making a new agreement?
0: It's going to go straight onto our Patreon. We are going to live stream my own sticker poisoning death, Okay.
3: Um, yeah, that's a good reason to start a Patreon, I guess. Let's do that.
1: We've been, we've been actually working it out secretly, Luke, with the Switchback, uh, folks, and, uh, we decided that technically a car decal is a sticker, (laughs) and so, uh, you're essentially getting the six-foot sub of
3: stickers. Ooh, can we do, like, those big all-mag, you know, those giant magnet sheet stickers like they put on the side of cars?
0: (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. Lots of glitter, too.
3: I'm into it. Mm. I'm into it.
0: Good. Uh, Chris, Switchback versus Gruff. Your thoughts?
1: I don't think that you're going to be eating a sticker in our next episode, Luke. Thank God, Chris. All right. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts?
3: I'm pretty sure you're going to be eating a sticker.
0: What? You're going to go with Switchback? How dare you, Kyle? (laughs)
3: Look, let's, let's do the math. Does Gruff do well in their first fight ever? No, no, they do not. They're going up against a very well-built, well-engineered bot uh, with a uh, presumably, according to all the test footage anyway, pretty powerful weapon on it. Uh, it's going to be a tough one for Gruff to win.
0: Oof. All right, Lindsay, your thoughts?
2: I'm going to be a chaos agent here and say uh, switchback. <laughs> Maybe I should Ooh. switch
0: to switchback. Yeah, Do you want yeah. To,
1: you're gonna switch. You're gonna switch to switchback. Switch
2: switch
0: My own brother-in-law. <laughs> they're, pot
1: and they're gonna win, and you're gonna eat lots of stickers, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, okay, Lindsay. Uh, let's start off with you here. Uh, Captain uh, Shredderator versus Tombstone. I know that you're uh, one of those Shredder boys, you know. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how many of these I have. Uh, Lindsay, your your thoughts on this matchup?
2: Wow. Okay. Remember when I said that I was confident?
0: Yes. Cause,
2: like, that was a lie. Okay. That was all a lie. That was a facade. And this one, man, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I know that for a long time, Shredderator has been like, oh, Ray Billings won't fight me because, like, he knows that he can't win. Um, And I don't know. Do they have a point? Like, it... I don't know, but I am still gonna go with Tombstone. Tombstone,
0: okay.
2: I'm still gonna go with Tombstone, and I feel okay about that. But I would not be shocked if Shredderator pulled it out. Interesting,
1: Chris. Your your thoughts? Um. It is it is kind of an interesting matchup. It's like it's kind of like a have we seen tombstone against a powerful full body spinner ever or even a ring spinner i don't think so
3: yes gigabyte
1: what
0: oh my god now i gotta look this up
3: we saw tombstone versus gigabyte and tombstone undressed them
1: right was that the season though that gigabyte was having the issue with that lock bar on the top
3: correct that was the the season that gigabyte was having the issue with the poorly uh, sourced aluminum cast lock bar on the top that shattered upon impact and right. uh yeah yeah and and Meladnik wasn't there he was in China oh wow so you know the bot always performs better when John's around
1: yeah I so th- this is actually a very this is a unique matchup that I that I would have to actually throw to shredderator. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I, I mean, from what I understand, it's like dialed in. They had been working on it. I know last year they kind of like rebuilt the whole thing again. I I, I yeah. I just I kind of see, you know, the uh that that sloped uh wall on the outside of that armor plate as perhaps getting under and even kind of, uh, you know, lifting uh, Tombstone up. And, you know, once Tombstone uh, is inverted or, or, or it, uh, it, it turns on its side and starts kind of skipping, like it's its own worst enemy at that point. Um, huh. So yeah, that's where I'm standing.
2: I think it'll come down nice. to if Tombstone can like box rush them and prevent them from ever getting up to full speed.
1: Hmm. That's not really a tombstone style, though. I know. Yeah, Ray best. Billings is gonna uh, have Kyle. to is gonna have to get very creative if, if if he wants to beat Shredderator. It's it's his match to, uh, you know, to win. It's 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 just hmm. he's gonna have to work for it if he if he really does want to pull out a W.
0: Yeah, interesting. Kyle, your your thoughts? Tombstone versus Captain Shredderator.
3: I'm just gonna um I'm just gonna give you some quotes. Okay, physics, baby, spin (laughs) to win, baby. It doesn't matter if they pop me up. I just come back down spinning, baby. And all of those quotes ended up being untrue. So there is no reason in my mind to believe that Ray Billings has been dodging him because the physics do not work in his favor. This goes to Tombstone easily
0: uh oh, kyle wow. are you calling uh, mr brian Nave a liar did brian neve oh no 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 a liar is intentionally him.
3: a liar is intentionally telling mistruths right uh brian neve fully believes everything he's saying so that that does <laughs> not make him a liar <laughs>
0: Good. All right. Kyle, we're going to stay with you for the next fight. Free Shipping versus Blacksmith. Your thoughts.
3: Uh, First of all, we all win. We all win with this fight. This fight is going to be so much fun. There is literally no way it cannot be fun. Uh, free Shipping wins because Blacksmith has got a whole new weapon and they're, they're working out new stuff and they're doing new things. Uh, but nonetheless, we're all going to really have a great time during this fight.
0: Good. Lindsay, your thoughts. Free shipping versus blacksmith.
2: Alright. I think that this goes the full three minutes. It goes to a judge's decision. And I think Al Kindle is going to get his coveted judge's decision win.
0: Ooh, okay. It's Chris, interesting, your thoughts. Though.
2: It's interesting though that we're having free shipping and gruff in the same episode and Gigabyte and Captain Shredderator in the same episode. Because they're they're you know, somewhat similar bots to each other.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Good observation. Chris, your thoughts. Free shipping versus blacksmith.
2: Blacksmith.
1: Blacksmith.
0: Okay. Uh all right. On over to the next fight, Chris. We'll start off with you. Pain Train versus Deep Six.
1: Are you you're recusing yourself from this one as well, right, Luke?
0: Oh, right. Well, because now I'm the newest and least qualified member of Pain Train. Yes. Well, uh, Luke, I have to go Pain Train every single time.
1: Luke, you are head of CAD for Pain Train, and that is exciting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that and the uh, the electronics, you know, we're going to go super experimental this year, you guys.
1: That's so cool that they're all stepping back and they're just going to be handling social media and uh, and finding new <laughs> and unique sponsorships, uh, and let you handle yeah. all of the electrical engineering and uh, driving and whatnot. So good on them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Chris, pain train versus deep six. So I'm gonna say deep six. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Unconventional choice there. All right, uh, Lindsay. Actually, uh, Kyle. This is gonna be the one. Kyle, pain train versus deep six.
3: Uh, this is a hard one because essentially it's like two pretty untested bots. You know, uh, Deep Six had to make some massive changes to their design because they ho- wrote a whole rule about Deep Six and their weapon size. Um, I'm going to go Deep Six, but I could very easily be wrong and I will be happy to be wrong because I want paintrain Train to, to get a win.
0: Uh, Lindsey, your, th- your prediction here.
2: I echo everything that uh, Kyle just said. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be so happy to see Pain Train win. Uh, I will call it for Deep Six. And also, we're taping this on Monday. It's Andrew Russell's birthday. Happy birthday, Andrew. Happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday, Andrew. I am going to jump in for this one, and I will say that Pain Train is going to take this, absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, Pain Train. It has no breaks, and uh, we're going all the way to... uh, to victory. So so there you go. Um, okay, and then all pain, no breaks.
3: Hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't design brakes into that <laughs> bot, Luke? What were you thinking? This is gonna he's be narrow. horrible. He's you know narrow. what's he's gonna happen? Bad. They're gonna walk out there and the bot's not gonna work. And Evan's gonna open up the top and he's gonna be like, I see the problem. The inside of this bot is just <laughs> bales of yarn.
0: <laughs> he trusts me, you guys. All right. Um, all right, and then finally our main event. Lindsay, I'd love to get your thoughts on the main event. Hydra versus Endgame. Spicy main event.
2: Um, yeah, definitely spicy. Um, Is like, is Hydra going to be the Hydra that we associate it Like, with the flipper? Or is it going to be... You know, a spinner that they've been teasing. I don't know. Um, I think that this is a really hard one to call, but I do think that this is going to go to Endgame. Mm,
0: Endgame. Okay.
2: It'll be fascinating, however it goes. Like I'm, I'm very excited.
0: Okay, Chris, your thoughts on the uh, main event, Hydra versus Endgame?
1: Yeah. Oh wow, it's um, it's gonna come down to that ground d- game. Who's like, whose forks or wedges are gonna reign in like supreme for those, uh, for those first critical few seconds? And you know, I I I know that Endgame has like a really devastating vert. I know that they're that they're piloted extremely well. And that they have used forks uh, really well. Hydra's just so low, and it's just, you know, it doesn't take much to bully Endgame. I think if you're Hydra, um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my vote at Hydra. But it is a very exciting main event for a first episode. Definitely. All right, Kyle, uh, take us
0: home. Your thoughts on the main event, Hydra versus Endgame?
3: I could not have said that better myself. Um, I do think that it is going to end up being Jack Barker's driving that pulls it out. And I, I do think that the ground game is going to come in as a major factor, but end game has shown in the past that they can bust out the longest forks possibly, uh, like possible if, if needed to be. And I think they will use that to their advantage. It, they'll have to maneuver Hydra around to the side of Endgame to to get a good flip, and I don't see that happening. It's just it's not that athletic of a bot. Um, so yeah, I I give this to Endgame uh, fully, but I I agree with Chris's assessment. Honestly, I think I think it could definitely go the other way.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, that wraps up uh, this week's edition of Stat Decisions. Look for our post on Facebook. To hold on, hold
3: on. This. We don't want to talk about the YouTube exclusive.
0: Um. Oh my goodness. Kyle, are we also gonna be scoring the YouTube exclusive?
3: I mean, it's a it's a pretty interesting YouTube exclusive this week.
0: All right, fine. The YouTube exclusive fight this week deadlift versus jackpot. Kyle, your thoughts on this fight?
3: Jackpot, but I hope the deadlift guys get a lift because I like them and I hope their bot does well this year.
0: Second. All right. Two votes for jackpot. Will that be three, Lindsay?
2: No, I'm calling it for deadlift. Oh, nice, good. Okay, good. Um, all right, yeah. Wow, Chris just gave me. Chris just gave me the biggest side eye. <laughs> side eye. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't a side eye. I was looking straight at you.
3: What you guys don't know is our audience. Uh, what our audience doesn't know is that we've seen the deadlift team in person, and uh, they do fill out their shirts very well. So
1: <laughs> wait, now hold on. Is this? Is this a robot fight or a street fight? Because I might change my answer. Uh,
3: no, I'm just saying that, you know, that might be why Lindsay's rooting for him. You know, they, they fill out their shirts very well. I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's all.
0: Wow.
2: I am rooting for them, Kyle, because I have seen them at competitions and they are the most organized, like well-oiled machine that I, I've ever seen for, a, you know, a somewhat new team. And uh I think that they took all of the lessons from Hold last uh, 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 I think they took all the lessons from last year and like Jamison goaded. it and now they are coming back with a new vengeance and have learned a lot of lessons and I think that they are coming after Jackpot.
1: Are you Wait, you've said you you've seen the the Deadlift team well oiled? <laughs>
3: that's, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs>
1: We're getting married in 10 months, Lindsay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but we're not married yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good. Good. Nice. I like that we're starting this uh, already very long episode off with just weirdness. This is good. This is great. Um,
1: (laughs)
2: Okay.
0: Uh, Look for the predictions thread on Facebook to send us your predictions.
1: After the break, our interview with BattleBots showrunner, Aaron Catling.
3: This interview is brought to you by Just Cause Robotics and friend of the pod, Seth Schaefer. Seth has competed in BattleBots with Bloodsport and in Season Six with Retrograde. His goal is to make it easier for new builders to get involved in combat robotics through guides and tutorials and now custom products. If you're interested in learning more, check out his website at JustCauseRobotics.com. That's Just C U Z Robotics.com.
0: This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest. BattleBots showrunner, Aaron Catling. Aaron is one of the most influential people at BattleBots. He sits on the selection committee, helps pick fight night matchups throughout the season, and builds the TV show's many storylines, and is ultimately in charge of the product that gets delivered to the Discovery Channel. He's the ultimate BattleBot superfan and knows more about the teams than all of us put together. We're catching up with Aaron ahead of the premiere of Season 6, which we've heard is the best season of BattleBots yet. So welcome back to the show, Aaron.
4: Hey guys, how are you? Great to be here.
0: I'm so happy uh, that we, we we get this chance to talk. Um, you are one of my favorite people <laughs> in the BattleBots Aww. universe. And I wish that I could have you on every other week um, because <laughs> you, you know so much <laughs> about the sport, uh, you know so much Aww, about like you. the current state of the sport, the characters in the sport. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, like you're obsessed with the show at the level that we are. So like, that's pretty
4: cool. Well you'd from my point of view you'd hope so right for the guy running it but you' you know but you'd be passionate about it and that's why I love coming here. you guys are so passionate about it and it's a good opportunity to talk about how awesome season six is going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're so excited about, uh, about Thursday's premiere. Um, I want to start um, because we, we probably picked up a lot of new listeners since the last time you we are on the show. So maybe we could ask it a very fundamental question. You know, everyone's heard of Greg, everyone's heard of Trey, you know, Chris and Kenny and Farouk, Aaron Catling, right. You know, big name behind the scenes. Um, but like, what is a showrunner? What is it that you do on the show? You know, kind of like what parts of the show do you touch that the fans see on the Discovery Channel?
4: Yeah, it's a really good question because I think when most people think of showrunners, they think of scripted television showrunners and people like J.J. Abrams on Lost and things like that. Um, And in the Battle Boss world, it's a a little different, but similar. So I'm basically in charge of the look and feel, structure, storylines, composition of the TV show. So everything that has to do from the first frame to the last frame uh, goes through my filter. I'm very lucky to have an incredible team of about 200 people who work with me and make me look really good, um, who are all just as passionate, I might say, about robot combat. Um, and we all work really hard year on year to shine a light on this incredible sport and try to do it justice. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to been, to be with BattleBots since 2015 and help kind of bring it to life on ABC and now through Discovery. Um, and everything, I mean, everything that has to do with the show, the event, uh, really runs through, you know, my office and the other EP's office. So, you know, everything from do we have a crowd? What are our COVID protocols? To who are the bots being selected? Who are they fighting? What's the structure of the tournament? Um, everything kind of goes. Everything's all encompassing from back in the day. Who should be Chris and Kenny before Val? Chris and Kenny. Who should be Farouk? Um, all of that is kind of uh, on my desk, and uh, I have some amazing people who are my bosses. Uh, but yeah, kind of the buck stops awesome. with me a
0: bit. Um, I want to ask you about storylines and how you develop storylines at Battlebots. I think one of the cool things about the show is that, <clears throat> um, it it manages to highlight so many people, so many builders, so many interesting robots. So, and like really set up the stakes in the matches really well. Um, And I'm just fascinated by how that happens. Like how much work goes into before the bots show up, you know, and how much are these stories being discovered like during the 10 days of filming, you know, it, it feels like it's a very big lift to find all of these stories and then cut it all together in a short amount of time to build such a compelling TV show?
4: Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, the team does an incredible job. Um, you know, the it all begins in pre-production when we select the bots. Uh, and so, you know, the selection committee, uh, we look at everybody and and determine who's in the field. And then the moment we know that field, you know. I have a team of producers and we start breaking it down and we have conversations with all the builders we start building what we call one sheets which i know some people back in the day would take like screen grabs and could see them in front of chris and kenny that was always a fun little easter egg when someone's like hang on a minute um there's a preseason ranking what does that mean uh and that was a lot of back in the abc days we didn't you know we didn't really know how to quantify stuff and we're trying to work out who's a contender and who wasn't and as you guys can probably remember, the old tale of the tape and all, all our teething problems getting to where the show is now. And that was our infancy uh, way of trying to understand the sport. Now it's a lot more nuanced. And, you know, I'm very happy that a lot of my team is back year on year. And so as we get to know the builders better, the community better, the sport better, our fans better, we start to learn the best way of telling those stories. And it all begins and ends with the incredible builders on BattleBots. I mean, they are the they are everything. There is no show without them. There is no—I don't want to say product. There's no sport without them. And I've always taken it really seriously that we are incredibly lucky to be making a show about these incredible uh, sportsmen and women um, and engineers. And so we look at them and go, "Okay, cool. What's their story to tell? Is this a young up-and-comer? Is this someone who's been on, been around for twenty years?" Is this someone who's just you know, starting to emerge now? They were on a team, but now they've branched off to do their own thing. Uh, and the great thing is all those stories are there. It's it Much like any other sport, the stories are there as long as you go looking for them the right way. And fortunately on BattleBots, we've got a really great team who has learnt how to f- help the builders tell their own stories. And we've had great partners like Discovery who let us do that. And we've learned the most effective way slowly of doing that where it's kind of one part personality one part tech one part showmanship one part what you do in the box you know um it all comes down ultimately to how you perform inside the battle box is a great determiner of how much the the viewers will engage you know so you look at someone like rusty you know who was just a phenomenon last year you know that was we knew that dave was awesome but honestly, the first time he did an interview with Chris and Kenny, um, it was just lightning in a bottle. And I was just sitting there in a the control room going, this guy's a star. Like, this is amazing. I mean, he'd just had a fight with Orc and Lilith, who, who we love. And, you know, it wasn't the greatest fight of all time. But I was just like, this guy's so engaging. Like, the audience is going to love him. And so slowly you start going, we've got to make more of that. Let's talk to him. Let's find out what makes him tick. You know, he wasn't he wasn't high on our priority list necessarily going into season five as like this guy's gonna be amazing. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna be the top personality of the sport. Um, but it's it's what develops on the day. And also, you know, in the unscripted world, which is where a lot of my producers come from, you learn to follow your nose and adapt. To what's happening and it really much very much is a live sporting event that has a life of its own across the two weeks and you've just got to be willing to go on that ride and roll with it and see where it takes you because you will have things like deep six piercing the test box you'll have things like Chopper. you'll have everything under the sun to deal with and you just try to put the story out there in a way that everyone will love and then you use the talent as a vehicle to help you whether it's pete uh, jenny taff back in the day jessica allison whoever it may be um and you know obviously chris and kenny of a heart and soul um and then farouk is kind of like the ringmaster you know and so we've got all these different tools we can use and in the fight card format what we stumbled into was that by having a main event even though it doesn't necessarily We're not saying that's necessarily going to be the best fight of the night, but it's one that we choose to focus on and tell those stories. And by spreading those around a little bit, you're just slowly adding characters to the Rolodex that you know. So first year, you know Bite Force, you know Tombstone, you know Witch Doctor, you know Bronco, and then you've got others that you might love like Ice Wave or Ghost Raptor, whoever it may be. Then season two, you're adding on bombshell and different teams like that, and now you come come to this year, and people are like, oh my god, Yeti's back, Greg Gibson's back, Minotaur's back. This is incredible. Blacksmith's coming back, and when I look at it now, there's a hundred different people in those pits who all have their own fans, who people love and can't wait to see, and that's that's pretty that's pretty nice as a showrunner to look back on, you know, the five seasons we've done and go, man, that's, you know, over across, I think it's 109 hours of TV before this season. Um, we've created a whole bunch of uh, windows into people's personality that people really love engaging with and watching and feel like they know them. And that's, if you're doing that, you're probably making a half decent TV show.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I, the thing that is really remarkable for me about BattleBots is that I feel like you can introduce it to someone and it immediately hooks them. And like, you know, you also have enough red meat for the super fans, you know, who really go deep and they like live on Reddit and they watch every single post that goes through Facebook.
4: We try. There's never there's, there's never enough for the hardcore Reddit people. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm one of them. I troll myself on there. Um, you know, there's never quite enough, you know, like I'd love to get in depth. You know a, a little bit more, but I think you're right. You know, you've got a it. It hits you on a visceral level when you show someone Minotaur Blacksmith or, or a great iconic fight or last year something like Valkyrie Rotator. Mm. Like you feel it. It's it's an incredible fight, and people go, oh my, this is incredible. You know, the one that I I still hate to this day is people going oh I love that. Is that back on TV? Uh-huh, yeah,
0: yeah.
4: And and I'm like yeah uh, yeah I've been it's been my life since 2015. <laughs> uh, um, it's all I do 24/7, 365 for yeah. the last seven years, but yeah, it's it's back on TV. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's, it's amazing. I, I love the comedy Central days, but I, I think what we're doing now is, is a, such a great representation of the sport. and it's good. In a, it, it hooks you initially with the kinetic energy and the violence, so to speak. But then you love the fact that no one's getting hurt. And then to me, it's this incredible juxtaposition of what happens inside the box and what happens outside the box, you know? So inside, it's all about combat and knocking each other out. And on the outside, it is the nicest community of people who help each other out. And that's been one of the real things that I've loved that the show's evolve. We've kind of been able to go away from the early days where we were really trying to create archetypes and be like, good guy, bad guy, because no one knew anything about the sport. Now we've gotten to be more nuanced and be like, oh, this guy was on that team and they know each other or they went to school together or they built Robox Vex together or whatever, mm-hmm. and now it's just one big community that helps each other, um, where someone who might be going into the box to fight someone else was literally just helping them get ready. Um, and so that's, that's such a cool thing, and I think it's unique to BattleBots, and I think as we try to broaden the audience, more and more every season um i think that's something that everyone will love and engage with because i think it's a good kind of message for the world right now that you know that 300 people from around the world come together and fight robots and it's one of the most memorable two weeks of their lives every time they do it
0: yeah um i also want to ask about like online storylines, online beefs, I guess. Like, um, I think the kind of remarkable thing about BattleBots is that our top athletes, the people who we look up to, you know, the LeBron is of our sports, um, they interact so much online and like it's all out in the open. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say like specifically last season, uh, maybe it was the off season, um, like Captain Shredderator like called out Tombstone really hard on Reddit. And they were like, you know, Ray Billings has turn down fights with us like four times in a row. Nobody wants to say that, but you know, Ray's afraid that we can beat him and stuff. And I saw the fight card this week and I'm like, Oh my God, like how did like, did you guys see that Reddit post? Like, and did you make a mental note? Like, yeah, we're going to do this this season. I mean like, like do you, do you like watch that as well or, or what? Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty addicted. I'll be honest. So I, I kind of live in the Reddit forum and, have a have a bunch of different aliases in there um but there's, there's almost nothing that happens in there that i don't see
0: yeah
4: um good bad and ugly you know like it's as much as i want to go in there and do a ted talk when we announce the bracket to kind of explain choices um you you, you go you know what i can't you have got to let people vent and get their opinion out like you know um I had a great, great conversations with Brandon from P1 when they didn't get in the round of 32 last season. Um, But that's the kind of stuff that's, you know, I keep to me and Brandon and he can, he can say whatever he wants publicly, obviously, but me as a showrunner, I feel like I owe him that privacy that I'll talk to him and and say to him what happened. Um, But I'm not going to get out there in the world and try to defend it or anything um, because it just doesn't doesn't feel right because mm. then i'm kind of going well he he didn't deserve it over this which isn't the case you know it's it's never that black or white it's kind of like the selection committee what robot gets in and what robot gets out it's never as black and white as he's worthy and he isn't or she mm. is and she isn't um it's it's a lot more grave than that and there's a lot of voices in that selection committee from the network to greg and trey to Wellrock rock to myself um, the bot whisperer, Pete, like, the, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of voices in there. And I f- I'd i like to think more often than not, we, we land on good choices for the, for the show. Uh,
0: the season premieres tomorrow. Uh, you know, this episode is going to come out Wednesday. Uh, you know, the show's on Thursday. We're so excited about that. So I want to ask just a couple questions before we jump to the very many fan and uh, builder questions for you. Um, so uh, you know, like, the last time we saw BattleBots on TV, it was the end of season five. um, And now we're jumping into season six. Um, Are there big things that have changed between the two seasons other than the venue? You know, like, can you talk about basically what's happened between, you know, the finale of season five and the premiere of season six?
4: Sure. I mean, it's, it's you know, as we know, it's a very different world, but the same, you know, since February of 2020, It feels like we've all been stuck in a weird quicksand time warp. Uh, have we just kept hopping in a DeLorean and living like the day worse and worse or something? Like it's you know, when we shot season five, we never expected to have to go through another COVID shoot. Mm. Um, we never expected you know, it was it was as hard a season of, of any TV show as we've shot. And there really wasn't a lot of stuff shot during that period when we shot season five and the fact we got everybody in and out healthy um, was an amazing, amazing feat by the entire production staff. Um, this time around for season six, we were hoping it was going to be a much wider net. We were hoping the world would be able to come. Um, and in some ways it has. We've, we've been blessed to have teams like Minotaur come come back. And, uh, you know, we had, we've had some amazing teams come. You know, we've been lucky enough to have Blade come this year um, from South Korea. Um, but we were meant to have a bunch of British teams who unfortunately it didn't work out at the last minute. Um, so that was disappointing. Um, and also the, the, the number one thing when you watch the episode, which is what I want people to be really excited about, is the crowd's back. And as great as the opera boxes were and as much as I loved seeing the builders reacting to the fights, nothing competes to having the energy of a live crowd watching these fights um, and for a lot of our hardcore viewers who I know love going to the event or going to robot combat in general, there's nothing like the energy of being there live and hearing it and smelling it and cheering. And, and I think that really adds a layer to the audience at home. And no matter how much we tried in season five to kind of juice it up a little and make it fun for everyone at home, you can really notice it. I mean, the first time Farouk says it's robot fighting time, I mean, I just had goosies on goosies on goosies. Um, just hearing the crowd cheer, and it continued all the way through the season. So I think having the crowd back is a, is an amazing thing, and it also I think inside the box it makes everyone compete. Just that the adrenaline's firing that little bit more, and so everyone just brings their A game, and it's amazing. Vegas was a spectacular venue. I think Long Beach was incredible for the three seasons we were there, and we really had a luxury of space. Um, the pits were amazing and huge and there was just space everywhere there was space to shoot hero shots and interviews and all sorts of things. Uh, Vegas the studio is much smaller we had to build a whole secondary tent for the pits Um, you know it was you know 100 degrees so it was completely air-conditioned and you know one of the great things again you know we've got an incredible team and uh, my EIC Troy who who handles a lot of these things, built you know helped build the most incredible tent out there that just kept everybody uh, every, going into the event, everyone was like, this is gonna suck. We're gonna be in Vegas in 100 degrees. this is gonna you know, and it wasn't that way. The tent was so good. It wasn't really a tent. it was like building an airport hangar out there. Um, but it, it was a little smaller footprint. Uh, but actually fit the show really well. We were able to reconfigure the box a little bit. Um, so, you know, not even getting to uh, the upper deck or the shelf, as everyone calls it. Um, yeah, so just uh, so everyone, we call it the upper deck. So you'll hear that a lot this season. Um, and, you know, we we're able to reconfigure and move the tunnel to kind of where we've always wanted it, which is kind of like, the teams walk out of the tunnel and straight up onto the builder's platform and it just adds to the pageantry. So, and a lot of that is what Discovery loves about the show. They love that we make a show that's big and grand and looks awesome. Um, you know, frankly, for you know, not as much money as the big shows that do that. You watch a show like The Voice and you see every dollar on the screen, and you're just like, oh wow, and they're expensive, great TV shows we a fraction of that budget, but try to be just as cool and uh, make the world seem just as amazing as any big sporting event or TV event. Um, and I think it did, you know. And then this year it got mixed, you know, things uh, got rejiggered a little by having the upper deck, um, which I think changed the competition a little bit um, and mixed things up. So, it, it it's it was a really fantastic season. We have some incredible bots back, some great newcomers, and I think everything everyone was just ready to get back in a battle box and fight. And I think everybody brought it. And it's you know, it it sounds like hyperbole that you do every year, but it really is the best season of you know, the six that I've been a part of uh, intimately. It's easily the best. Yeah.
0: Um, One thing that was new this season was that Discovery announced ahead of time that they were picking up the show for two seasons, not just one. And you also found this big, beautiful, brand new permanent venue in Vegas. Does that change the show or kind of your planning for the show now that you have a pretty good idea that you're definitely coming back for season seven, you know, and you can start to plan out dates and stuff versus kind of waiting for the, for the big announcement and then kind of having builders
4: rush. It's, I mean, it's a whole new world. Once you know that you've got two seasons, um, first off just to explain everybody. So they've picked up the option on season seven. So, you know, there is an option on season seven. So what, what that really means is everything goes well, we rate again, Everything's good. We'll be back for season seven. It's kind of like, go ahead, start making plans. Um, You know, nothing's ever guaranteed. So please make sure you're watching Discovery like 50 times every week so that it rates really well. Um, But fingers crossed, we get good numbers and we come back. Um, It does. It allows you to think more about, okay, we've got a little bit of runway here in terms of what robots is there anyone on the fringe who we want to give a chance because we think they'll be better next year is there anything we want to do production wise knowing that we've got a two-year runway you know a lot of that is moving the tunnel and things like that and little things we do with the box lighting um, the new sneeze guards that are around the edge of the box Um, some of that stuff isn't possible without kind of trying to amort the money across two seasons so um, there's definitely that to be considered. And also just from a staffing perspective, as I was talking about before, a lot of what makes BattleBots so good is the people behind the scenes who you guys never get to see or meet. And they are so good and so committed. And most of them, if not all of them, are freelancers who you know will be on BattleBots for two months, three months, four months, six months, nine months of the year. And for them to have a pretty good idea that we're coming back for season seven is really a great way of me trying to engage and get the best uh, crew for the show. Um, and it really helps because as a freelancer, you never have that much security in TV. And so to be like, oh, cool, I can do BattleBots and there's a good chance it's coming back next year. This is awesome. I know what I'm doing from you know uh, April through September or whatever it might be. Um, so that's a real luxury. Um, and hopefully for the teams, it just gives them a sense of, you know, I mean, we've all felt, I feel it on the TV side, I can't even imagine what it's like for the builders, is that kind of like, when are we going to find out? When are we going to find out? And it's never early enough. It's, it's always too late. And that really impacts the build time, it impacts any negotiations that are going on, because there's kind of like a, well, we're lucky to have it, so let's just go mentality. And so hopefully with the two seasons, it's allowing everyone to take a bit of a deep breath and go, cool, like we're five seasons in. And also you can't discount, like it was after the fifth season that it went away from Comedy Central. So there's a lot of kind of nervous anxiety about this is the time when a network might be like, is this working for us or not? And so how do we keep it fresh? How do we keep the show vibrant? And make it something they want to commit to. And so having that kind of at least, uh, you know, semi commitment to the commitment to the two seasons, it just makes you go, oh, okay, cool. They like it. They like what we're doing. Let's do it even better. Yeah.
0: That's a really good segue um, into. My question, my, my next question. Um, I feel like people love to talk about what's the show going to look like in 20 years to 30 years. But like, I'm really interested in what's the show going to look like next year. You know, like, um, and like, <laughs> Me yeah, I mean, like, um, <laughs> I, I like the direction of the sport. The direction of the show is just toward just everyone is hypershock now. You know, like everyone is yeah. like this super competitive, very high end custom machined thing like it looks like a kid can't build that in the garage with their parents you know like it, it you know like the mm. sport is is just going in this very competitive direction um and I'm curious like you know for you when you think about season seven season eight you know like kind of the immediate future is that our trend yeah. line I mean are we going to just get more, it, more exclusive yeah. you know
4: I mean that's a fear for me because to me the joy is in bots like Rusty, yeah, and Shmi and Nelly and Rex and God bless it even radioactive right like you like to me Trey said something to me really early on I think I'd 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 known him for about a week and he was like Aaron you know a good fight because you see some bad fights hmm. Right? And it's always stuck with me, and it was never part of the DNA of ABC, and it's not even really a part of what we do with Discovery because there's always a, you know, let's let's put our best foot forward. Every fight's got to be a good fight. Um, but to me, there's something to be said for the shark opening of it that someone can build it in a garage, you know, yeah. and that you can still get there. Um, and that it is open. So, you know, hopefully people will see a team like a Rampage and go, okay, a little family team can still do it. Um, You know, now you might not be able to compete on the same level as Hypershock and Shatter and Witch Doctor and some of these incredible teams. I mean, they're like NASCAR teams at this point. They're just incredible. I mean, it's how quickly the sport has evolved, I think, you know, it's interesting when you talk to someone like Mark DeVits who comes back this season and compare it to his experience in season one and you just like, the sport has moved so far, so quickly. Um, it's incredible. And the new generation, you know, has come up either at things like Norwalk or, you know, uh, Marama or Mass Destruction, you know, down in Florida, Battle of the Beach. So, like, people have come through things and are, I guess, vexed and I guess such good engineers that things are just getting so highly dialed in now that we become almost like the Formula 1 of robotic combat, which I think is great to kind of set it apart as like the gold standard. Mm. But I still love a Walden Overlord versus Warhead breathing dragon fire, you know, so how do you how do you balance that? And I guess the only thing I can tell the fans is that it's something that us as caretakers of the show really do think about. That we, you know, we, you know, we hear everybody when they're like, oh, I guess it becomes a spinner fest. Oh my God. You know, um, none of us want that. But you're constantly fighting the uh, desire to see Uppercut blast Gemini into the wall. Yeah. rather than a three-minute push fest because something hasn't worked. Right. And so you're constantly going down this filter of everyone has to hyper-perform. And I think there is a certain amount of burnout that will come from that, and there's certainly an amount of expense, you know, that comes with it. And um, and that's something that, you know, we're just so lucky that the builders uh, put in so much of our own time, money, sweat, tears to be here and that's something i guess always keep it at the forefront of my mind but we have no show without the robots and the builders and everyone on set has to remember that at all times and so you know then it just becomes you know the sport and the meta will kind of do what it does as long as we as selectors don't predetermine the destiny you know what i mean yeah does that make sense
0: yeah yeah absolutely
4: because yeah. I, I want something you know like i i, I want the droopies of a world to eventually be 250 pounds. Yeah. You know, like I, I want huge to come and surprise everybody because they hadn't seen it at a lower weight class, mm. you know. Um, you know, and so you, you want those surprises, yet the best bots are just so good now. Yeah. They're so good. Um, you know, so eventually I think you know, you've got to you've got to move to some sort of system whereby there's a way an open tournament, whatever it might be, to let newbies in and almost kind of like once they, once they reach a threshold, now they can be in there with, say, the top 40 in the sport, that kind of thing. Um, and maybe there's a way then of having those initial fights still be part of the show alongside with the best 40.
0: Hmm.
4: You know, um, it's things like that that I kind of grapple with. Is there a way of doing that that isn't confusing to the casual viewer? Because a regular person turning on on a Thursday night to watch robots smash each other, um, may not understand. Oh, okay, this is this is the these are the open tournament where people are trying to qualify for next year. But then this year's tournament is happening in the next segment. That's a little hard to take. So then you go, well, is does it have to be a companion show? Is there other, you know, all those kind of things, uh, which I'm always fascinated by, and you know, uh. I I can see great value in long-term. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's It certainly sounds like you're having the same conversations that I'm hearing on the local level, you know, like on the local level, it's kind of the inverse, you know, like at Norrock Havoc, (laughs) like our big conversation is like, everyone is bringing a hyper-competitive like finger tech beater bar egg egg beater you know and like does that become boring well, you look you at know? something like lynx yeah and you're
4: like how do you beat lynx right yeah and it's great and lynx versus silent spring is something everyone should watch yeah right um but you also want a 15 year old kid to just turn up yeah you know with one robot and barely any spares and be able to be around the people he idolizes or she idolizes I think that's what we've got to protect is you've got to protect the the barrier. The barrier to entry has to be turning up. Yeah. You know, and it's never quite been that for BattleBots, and I'm not sure it ever can be because the show is produced at such a high level. Right. But what else is there in the world? And that's, you know, things like RoboGames and things, unfortunately, that no longer exist, you know, was such a great gateway to BattleBots. Um and not that it was a gateway, it was its own entity, but like it gave people a place to go. Mm. Whereas for for the selection committee, when we turn to Discovery and say, hey, we're putting in this unknown robot, you know, uh, we all kind of put our butts on the line and say, we think this person's going to be good because of this. And this is how it's different. And this is what it's going to do. And this is why it's groundbreaking or different tech or different whatever. And this is why it's cool for the show. Each one of those decisions is scrutinized. And so you've got to kind of have your defense ready to go and be ready to to play it out. And then, you know, when if it doesn't work out, then they're the ones that, you know, I don't want to say leave a stain on you, but they're the ones that you're like, I'm going to have to explain that one. Yeah. You know, why, why didn't that work? Why didn't that get out of the starting gate? We said that one we hoped would do three fights and it didn't even do one. What's up? Yeah, you know they—they're they're the, they're the unfortunate parts of a show where you've got to kind of you know, and that—that's why you end up going for people you know who can do it. But again, I you know, not everything in the you know it—it's it, just so grey, so grey.
0: Yeah, I want to ask uh, one last question before I turn it over to Kyle. And uh, our very many listener questions and fan questions and builder questions for you? Um, so uh, and you know, like I feel like kind of the behind the scenes insider baseball superfan kind of conversation this season was a lot around the cost of the robots, you know, like, um, in the offseason, malice, you know, announced that they had spent $80,000 on their robot. Um, and like kind of the twin conversation around there is, you know, they're also picking up these tiny sponsorships, like, oh, it's a two person water jetting company in Iowa and they're giving them a 50% discount, you know? Um, And like, I I think builders show up at BattleBots and they see the massive tent and they see the lights and they see everything. And they're like, Oh, there must be money here for us. You know, like there must be money here for, for build stipends. Like we had at ABC and stuff. And, you know, obviously we've had Paul Ventimiglia sit out the last two seasons. Um, So, you know, like cost and kind of that piece of it is, is a big part of the conversation. What, what's your take on that that part of the sport right now?
4: I mean, it really is kind of at the core of a lot of what's happening behind the scenes right now uh, in the robot combat world. I think it's been brought to the forefront in a good way by Discovery doing the two seasons because as I hinted at earlier, negotiations are always really hard when you're up against a deadline of like, hey, in six weeks we shoot. So let's do a player contract or whatever it might be. So I think this is the first time that there's been able to be some mediated time where everyone goes, okay, what's we've we've got to take care of the builders better. We've got to, we've got to do right by the teams. How do we make it better? And I think, you know, as you know, it, it, as the most insider outsider, like I'm not a partner in BattleBots, I'm an employee, but obviously a really important one. I kind of I can see both sides of it. And I personally, all I ever try to do is find a solution. And I think the big solution is revenue streams. We've got to find more revenue streams, revenue streams that work with our television partner um, and more ways of getting money into the builder's pockets. You know, um, at the same time, the production budget, as I mentioned earlier, we already kind of make a really high end looking show for cents on the dollar to other shows on network television um, and so then it becomes okay how do we how do we make it work and I think ultimately it's sponsorship other revenues you know potential other revenue streams merchandise things like that that are all kind of partner issues between you know battlebots WarRock rock and the builders um, but I feel like for the first time there is a good open dialogue about that. Um, I give Paul all the credit in the world for kind of bringing this topic um, out into the open for fans as well to know about because I think it is one of those things that always gets talked about behind closed doors, um, and I applaud him for that. Um, and I think it's it's really good. And I know you know there was a really I think productive talk uh, during the shoot where builders got to talk with Greg and Trey. Um and Chris and Tom and Matt um, about everything. And I know I was kind of sitting in the wings watching with Pete. Um, and I think everyone was heard. I know I've been a part of discussions since where all those parties involved really took to heart what was said. Um, and everyone wants to find a solution. Now, what that solution is, you know, we've got to wait and see. But I think a big part of it is transparency and just letting the build world be part of a process. You know, one of the things I'm committed to for Season 7 is, you know, and I've talked to Greg about this, is that I want someone from the build world to be part of our team in the, in the production side in terms of picking matchups, seedings, that kind of thing. Because I think there always has been a feeling that, like, the selection committee is like this behind-closed-doors process, and in reality, it's a bunch of the people we've already discussed who care a lot about the sport who are just trying to make the best decision they can super quickly in the 16th hour of a day. And so I think by letting some of the build, letting say one of the builders into that process and having them be part of the team who's kind of not part of product, has some autonomy, but has a voice would be really cool. Um, it's just working out who that voice should be because then they can't be a competitor and all those kind of things. Um, but I think that would go, you know, from my point of view, from the TV side, that'll go a long way, I hope, in terms of matchups and seedings and things and making people feel a little better about the process. Um, I feel good. I know me and Greg feel really good about it because we do kind of hand on heart just want everyone to have a successful season and we do the best we can to adapt as things come up. Um, but getting back to the financial thing, I think we all appreciate the, the super high-end nature that the sport is taking now puts – huge financial burdens on the teams and, and cost them so much money and we need to find a better way of fixing that imbalance. Um, I wish I had the exact answer for you right now, but hopefully a lot of really smart people can sit around the table and figure it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Honor to you, Kyle.
4: Appreciate you. Thank you very much.
3: Aaron, it is always a blast to have you on. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to jump into some fan questions. We have quite a few, but before we do that, I just want to check on you. Um, are you done? Like, like is everything <laughs> is everything ready to go? I know that you you've got to be mostly done, but like, h- how's the season coming together for you? How's your workflow right now? And is it the kind of thing where like uh, you're at the point now where where the season's about to start and you literally just you made the baby; it's <laughs> it's about to go out into the world, and you just have to like cross your fingers and hopes it goes well. Or are you like adapting on the fly, like when when new episodes come out? Are you kind of like tweaking things and changing things based on audience reaction? Like w- what's
4: going on with you right now? It's interesting, Carl. And hey, good to, good to talk to you again, bud. It's a uh, it's a little different this year. Normally, we're right up against air, so typically, you know, taking last year for example. You know, we were on air, I want to say, six, seven weeks after we shot um, to hit kind of like I think it was Thanksgiving or somewhere around then that we started. Um, And so we were literally one, one, two episodes ahead of being on air. So when everyone's watching episode one, we're maybe doing episode three. And so you've got this feedback loop through Reddit and Facebook and just word of mouth, of oh okay this is working this isn't working what can we do oh you guys like the sports science bit that's cool can we do another one even though we weren't planning on it things like that this season's a little different we the production side of things has been the same so we've actually finished the first 10 episodes um but you know discovery decided to to wait and held off to the new year um and so that means now it's it's really odd like um, talking about episode one feels like so long ago. I mean, I think I posted it to my Insta story and I think Greg reposted it on BattleBots when I finished mastering the first episode, uh, you know, probably eight, nine weeks ago. Um, and, and that's that's where we're at. And so now it's almost like, you know, uh, I don't want to say a distant memory, but it's, uh, it's a little different to normally when you, you know, right now I'm in the middle of uh, the round of 32 and the round of 16 in the edit world um and we're talking about the premiere so it's kind of you know when you do things like this podcast or talk to press and things like that you've got to kind of throw the hat back on and and go back to episode 1 and uh get excited all over again because you you know now I'm 10 episodes and free fights for a bunch of teams in and I've got to go back to the infancy and be like oh yeah start of a season we're so excited about everybody this is cool um <laughs> you know Um, and I think that's the thing, like for me and my hardcore team, I'm really lucky. You know, I've got, there's another EP named Evan who runs post-production for me, who is amazing. Um, and uh, guys like Joaquin and Alex and Matt, and we've got, we've got all these incredible editors and sound engineers and, you know, onliners and all these kind of people who are working their tails off and haven't really had a breath since we finished shooting. Um, Yet to everyone else, it's kind of like, where's it been? Where's it been? And we're like, we're here, we're here. Um, you know. But at the same time, <laughs> we'll all bump out and wrap out probably in uh, late February, early March. And fortunately, the show will keep playing for quite some time after that.
3: That's cool. Um, is, it a, is it a little bit like, do you have some nerves that you can't adapt on the fly as easily this season?
4: I mean, me, because I'm am adren- I'm, I'm a junkie for Reddit and the instant feedback, yeah. So I I personally love being able to oh no one's understood that. I'll slip a line in, you know, two episodes later, yeah, uh, to try to fix it, out. yeah. You know, because tries to fix it or clarify it um or if it's like, you know, a strength for schedule thing, then I try to, you know, hey, let's hit that fact a little harder because I don't think people are getting it. It is or- so
3: interesting that you say that because there were so many moments last season where I felt like there was like an active conversation. Going on with like the show and the online discussion, you know, you would, you would see a bunch of folks online upset about something or talking about something, and then you would see it addressed in the show, like two episodes (laughs) later, and you're like, oh, weird, that's cool. Um, What's
4: great is all my producers have kind of taken up the mantle now and they all live on Reddit as well. So And they all get a kick out of it, so you got them all addicted, dude. We're all there's probably there's probably fifty spam accounts on Reddit. We're probably just starting Fred's now at this point, Um, you know. So if there's any, if there's ever anyone just totally bagging the TV show, it's usually usually one of us. It's usually yeah Um, yeah. Get it? You got to complain about work somewhere. Oh, dude! Back in the day when we had the tail of a tape, like I was the loudest person in the forums. What do these numbers even mean? Why are they doing this? (laughs) <laughs> what idiot came up with his stuff? Well, I, I did, but I was told to. I had to come up with something, um, you know. But that was how I'd get out my frustration. But you know, last year there was a lot of things last year. I think, you know, and I, you know, I, I felt the frustration of the audience with things like Beta Rotator and yeah. Hydro Huge. Like you know, like I, I feel that because I made those fights. Like I wanted to see those fights. And they didn't necessarily turn out the way uh, you hope, and that's that's part of part of the fun, good and bad of this job, is that you know you're at the mercy of what happens in the box, and it's not always what you expect. It's not a perfect science, you know. So um, go back to last year's uh, first main event, Tombstone Endgame, like that. I didn't see that one going that way. Nope. You know, the way it did. Um, and you're just going, Oh, okay, here we go. You know, did I think that Beta wouldn't fire his hammer? No, you know, now I knew that Rotator was very dangerous to him and he didn't want to snap the hammer off, but I thought at some point he'd find a way of controlling him with the wedge and stopping the blade for a second and then attacking with the hammer. Um, and then with Hydra and Huge, you know, a lot's been made of the fact, you know, and it was Jake told us what he was doing uh everyone kind of saw it um and i you know in a lot of ways we didn't you know maybe naively we didn't see it ending up that way we thought at some point huge would get around him and would actually take advantage of it um and it'd end up being this cow tipper all over the arena and huge you know and and huge would get on top of him and it would be a really interesting fight you know and so then. When something like what happens happens, then we work really quickly behind the scenes to go, okay, that sucked. How does that not happen again? Yeah, um, because we hate. Like I hate it for Jonathan and the huge team. And again, going back to what I was just talking about with Luke, these guys put so much. These these builders put so much money into it. Like I I feel terrible when a fight doesn't turn out to be a great fight or an interesting fight. Um, I just want everyone to do their best in there, and I know in that fight. You know, it was probably frustrating for Jonathan. Um, you know, at the same time, I applaud Jake for his driving and the way he did it. And you know, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I thought that Huge might actually get around it and get the better of him for it. But
3: nope, Jake I, drove a perfect match. Like
4: yeah, you, you want to hate yeah. on
3: the guy, but honestly, you had to drive perfectly for that mild steel frame to do what it was supposed to do. And now did. where we
4: did, he did and now where we're wrong and where we fixed is he should have been forced to separate correct he yeah should, corralling, he have corralling, corralling is the problem yeah exactly and he should have had to back off at least half the way across the arena so that huge could get out like backing up eight feet when you're dealing with you know robots that size isn't enough
3: yeah and know? I and I feel like that was you know an expectation of of a n- non-specific rule right like yeah. a and that's all that is like
4: yeah, so that and makes in some sense ways that's in some ways that's part of the genius and stuff I love of a sport, you know. Like it's you know, I think I talked to you guys about last time. Like you know when Derek with the, with a present for Ghost Raptor, man. I mean that was the wor- the worst and best day of my life because <laughs> you know it's it's day one of shooting on ABC's big new shiny floor show. And, uh, all the ABC brass is standing behind me and they're like, okay, what is this? This is going to be awesome. A present breaks up and a net comes out and he's all tangled up. And what are we going to do? Like, that was one of the worst moments of my life (laughs) because everyone just looked at me and said, we've just spent how much for this? What is this? You know, and now fortunately we turned it around and made some great television out of it and still kept the spirit of the sport alive. Um, but I also understand people who watch huge Hydra and maybe went, "Hey, that didn't feel like the spirit of BattleBots." Um, you know, I I understand that feeling. I take it one step further, though, and kind of go, you know, hats off to Jake. He drove perfectly. We had a problem in our rule set that he took advantage of.
3: Yep, and, and that's what know.
4: Team Waiachi has always done. That that is Dude, literally their bag. Totally, totally you know. Um, so, so it is what it is. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it, so yeah, so I am a little, a little worried that at, that reactivity won't be here this year because, you know, we'll, we'll actually put the finale to bed, um, probably in about three weeks, four weeks.
3: Wow. That's great. Um, yeah. I mean, for you, you know, for us, it's, <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's nerve wracking, but, um all right so i want to jump into
4: you have got a lot of great stuff to look forward to like it is a spectacular season that is good that is uh that is the feedback we've heard
3: from a lot of the folks that were there and a lot of the builders so we're really looking forward to it Um, all right so now i want to take you you know past that first episode um i know that you've you have a, a hard time getting into that headspace but i have some questions from alexander archer where you're going to have to imagine yourself, you know, in those prep weeks, you're getting everything together, you're getting all the stuff together. Um, So first of all, answer this question for us. Is the shelf essentially just the new out of the arena zone since we are the stage, I believe is what you guys are officially calling it. Um, The upper deck. The upper deck. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, Yeah. So is that the new out of the arena zone since the the zones by the doors are essentially gone or essentially, uh, you know, off limits to a degree?
4: Yeah. So it's not exactly out of bounds. You can go up there and come off. I love um, that about it. <laughs> you know, which is great. And, you know, I think, you know, for understandably, there's a lot of nervousness about it. I think we all were like, oh, we hope this works. Yeah. Um, It actually, now don't get me wrong, there is definitely uh, some downside, especially for horizontals, um, Mm -hmm. because it does change the geometry of the box, you know, so you've now got what we call two short corners is the language we developed on the show across these first 10 episodes and those short corners come with a strategy all of their own. Um, and across the season, you'll see some builders use it to their advantage. Some don't. Some manipulate it really, really well. Some don't. So it's an interesting new to me. It's an interesting new design wrinkle to the engineer to the to the game of BattleBots. Um, you know, obviously, we all wish the builders had had a bit more time to adapt to it. But I think with even the limited time they had, they did a really good job. And it was originally, I think when Trey, you know, Trey had the idea because we got rid of the out of the arenas on the side, we've kind of put what we call sneeze guards there now. Um, because it was just too big a safety safety things. Things like Tombstone against Endgame in the main event of Ep One last year, where Tombstone ends up kind of wedged like a piece of toast. It's fantastic TV, but Trey literally has to go in there and get the safety off a live robot. Right. You know? stuck in the site you know and so it just, yeah. it just wasn't safe so we you know we put in the sneeze guard so now you kind of bounce back in um and so really the the upper deck was kind of put there to give okay be a show off and put someone on the upper deck show your control of them and get them up there um and the builders used it to to great advantage um you know there's still you know the the and also you know to uh the point the 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 spots by the doors are still there you just can't you can't use them deliberately like all the builders had a had a really good talk with trey um about you know kind of incidental and accidental uh use of those hardy holes because obviously that's you know for example where endgame sent whiplash in the final you know um was over by the door um you know, so that area for safety, because it's the door that opens up, and again, the tray or the, or, the, or the incredible crew bots have to go into, they've got to be safe. So, you've got to be able to deactivate. So, they're kind of out of bounds now. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a great new design thing. I think, you know, much like a lot of people either want to see the saws more active or the Hellraisers more active or get rid of the saws or get rid of the Hellraisers or make the screws go away or make the screws better, make the pulverizers better. Um, it was just an attempt to add a new wrinkle and I think too you can't you can't put aside that you know it is season six and there was just a feeling of well what's fresh and different um and so you know we we gave it a go and i think overall it's um you know the the fights were good i don't you know i don't think it's a i think it's a correlation not a causation um. You know, I think it it's happened to be our best season. I don't think it's because of the upper deck, but the upper deck didn't get in the way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it hasn't stopped it from being a great season.
3: Yeah, it was um, a good factor to add in. It was it was a, a good ingredient. I like that.
4: Yeah, and I you know, I think, you know, I think definitely for the world of horizontals, I think they all would have loved, you know, a bit more time to adapt to it. Um, but again, these these timelines sometimes are really crushed and I you know, I think it worked out well.
3: All right, so it's that first prep week, right? You're, uh, you're looking at your, your roster. You know who's coming now. You know who's shipped their crates. You know all those things. Who do you think has the best chance of winning the season? As a fan, right? You're a fan. You're, you're like, oh, man, I know who's coming. Who do you think's got
4: the, chance of take, the best chance of taking home the nut? I mean, the way endgame were operating at the end of last season <laughs> and knowing Nick and Jack, I've got to say endgame. I, yeah. I think i think you know they i I've watching them over the last few years i mean jack's always been an amazing driver it's always been a really powerful bot but they they're at the top of the they're they're at the top of the pyramid for me right now um obviously hydra being undefeated um, in a regular season you know incredible robot i think jake's an amazing builder amazing driver i i love the platform i love that we've got a powerful lifter um you know i think he's got to be in the conversation um yeah that's who i'd probably go in game and hydra got it um and then this
3: is we get a lot of these uh who is your favorite questions i i don't normally like them but i I do want to ask you who's your favorite robot from the comedy central era and the like the modern era the abc discovery era do you have like uh, one of each? Because I know yeah. you've probably had to go back and watch all those Comedy Central. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, you, so, who's your favorite from that era, and also from the modern era?
4: Okay, um, I've got to say I love Vlad. I thought Vlad was awesome. I mean, coming into it before, you know, I'd I'd watch some back in the day, but I did go back and study it, and like I'd heard so much about Biohazard, and obviously uh is amazing but I really thought Vlad was cool as hell. Tazbot um always had a soft spot for Blendo um because I knew Adam Savage a little bit um through <laughs> some T V connections. So I always had a thing for Blendo. Um uh what else is there? Obviously, you know, Ronan because of the peak connection. Uh I always thought a lot of over Overkill. I thought Overkill was really cool.
3: Overkill was um, really cool.
4: Overkill. Overkill was cool um what else was there let me just try to think of something a bit more um uh oh mechadon um you know subtraction is just amazing um and just you know next level i i wish he i wish in a lot of ways he had the time to build for us um and be a part of the show um, and then, you know, probably one of my top five all time is, is just Nightmare. I just love Jim and, and Nightmare, when I saw Nightmare, uh, you know, I was just like, man, this is, this is what the ABC show can be. Is like, I think it was one of the season five fights of versus Warhead. And I was just like, man, this is, this, this can totally work. This can be on primetime on ABC. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then along the way, there's just some really cool fights. Like I love, you know, obviously I love people like Xander and Reason who kind of, you know, when I think back to my bot infancy, you know, the first group of people in Mare Island, you know, I, I feel a, a lot of kinship too. So people like Paul uh, and, and Mark and Xander and Reason and Ray, um, Chuck, all those people from season one. And so, you know, things like T-minus, Toro, um, you know, were really cool. Um, like, I love that T-minus fight where he beats Hazard, who hasn't been beaten. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they're kind of the ones that stand out to me. That makes sense.
3: That makes sense. Um, and then the last question that I have from Alexander. So, do you have any newcomers that at the beginning of the season you were like, oh, they've got a shot. They, they really could, like, come out at this field of veterans and do well?
4: I mean, I think Blip is very interesting given what, aaron did last year yeah um i think taking tantrum from being the bot whose fist goes into a pipe um (laughs) to a semi-finalist is one of the most incredible runs on the show ever um and then you know having conversations with aaron in the offseason he's like hey i want to i want to i want to have two bots and you know ginger and alex are going to run tantrum and and i want to do this thing blip and it's a flywheel flipper and talking to Pete and learning what the hell that was and how it was going to work. I'm like, okay, like this is, you know, I, you know, I'm very excited to see how blipped goes. I've been watching uh blade AK Orby, um, in the online universe for a few years. So obviously really excited to have blade here. Um, uh, and also I'm really excited by defender, um, which, you know, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, but I mean, the Vasquez family is just, so close to being, the if they're not the first family of combat robot, or, you know, combat robotics, I don't know who he is, maybe Waiachi, but they're right there with him. And yep. and Jason being on his own, like it's still got the Vasquez DNA. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jason do well. I'm
3: a big Defender Stan. I'm really looking forward to seeing them this season. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I do think it's interesting that uh, the, the three names you mentioned are actually – uh, spin-off bots, if you will, from, from yeah. other
4: teams. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or well, people with experience, you know, yeah, I think people
3: with experience. Yeah.
4: It, it, I think it's hard. I mean, you look at, there's some great, I mean, switchback is a beautiful robot. Uh, Riptide is a beautiful robot. Glitch is a beautiful robot. Um, but coming in without a lot of experience, it's really hard, you know? Um, and so how will they fare? That's part of the fun of the season is seeing how, seeing how all those people do. And then, you know, the fun cast of people coming back from the blacksmiths and minotaurs of a world to the overhauls, you know, it, it's kind of fun to see how, how they all go now.
3: Yeah. Um, so I've got an interesting question from Steven Eagert. He wants to know, uh, so putting together individual matchups is one thing, but how are main events fights decided? And have you ever had fights where at the end of it you're like, Darn, that should have been the main event?
4: <laughs> oh, Totally. Totally, yeah. totally. I mean, and the good thing about the fight night system, if you think of it like a UFC pay-per-view or something, sometimes the undercard fight is a better fight. You know, yeah, like all the time. Yeah, like often all the main event is is it gives us here's two characters we want to spotlight during the show. Whether they're an ex champion or someone on the rise or someone on the decline or whatever right, it somebody may be. What do you want to do
3: segments about?
4: Exactly. There's someone who, oh, here's the story of, you know, like, you know, for episode one, you know, Hydra Endgame, it writes itself, you know, like it's the guy who went undefeated in the regular season versus the world champ, you know, and Jake and all that he brings to the table, Jack and Nick and all they bring to the table and let's get it on, you know, Um, but there's fights along the way like Sawblaze Minotaur, our season opener, is more than big enough to be a main event, you know? Um, so I think there's, there's always, you know, and there's just so many fights, you know, they, like I said, they never quite work out the way you have planned. Um, and so the the good thing is in the fight night format is we can adapt a little bit and mix things around. And so sometimes the fight that was pl- planned to be the main event, we can sometimes shift if say it hasn't quite been, you know, the fight we thought it would be and something else is, has really come up, we can sometimes move that into the space. So that's where sometimes you'll hear reports from people who were there going, hang on a minute, I watched this one and that was the main event, but it wasn't, they did it in another show. So that's part of that little secret source behind behind the scenes that working with the network, you know, depending on the episode, they want to put certain feet forward, you know, um, at, at different times.
3: I like that answer a lot. All right. So we got a question from Andre Cruz. Um, so he wants to know, do you watch other combat robot events, which you have touched on a little bit in this interview, but, uh, he wants to know, do those other events help you make decisions about battle bots, like specifically yes. selection of the bots and whatnot?
4: Yeah. hundred percent, 150%. I think that's, that's one of the things I see as a really important aspect to bring to the table as the showrunner. Um, you know, Greg's very busy doing what he needs to do for BattleBots and the brand. Trey's busy doing his thing. Tom, Chris, you know, I'm the guy who's got to kind of have my finger on the pulse of what's happening a little bit, uh, along with Pete. And and so does Greg. Greg's got a great working knowledge of what's happening out there. But I, I just always like to be across who's out there, who's doing well um, in the lower weight classes, in other in other places. You know, so seeing, seeing Mammoth um fight i think it was in florida you know when at the time we hadn't se- you know we hadn't seen it move and then seeing that i was like oh my god this is gonna be incredible you know or watching huge um at lower weight classes you know or yeah like tearing through motorama the year before it came to yeah matter, exactly i right? need fought jameson and i was like oh i'm gonna have you guys fighting again, you know uh, and, you know, uh, you know, I love Shredder, bro, I love. And so, you know, I've fought to keep Pain Train around because I think Evan Arias is an incredible builder. And I think, you know, it's it, there's definitely a learning curve on BattleBots. You know, it's very rare that someone jumps in Season 1 and is a world beater. Yeah. Um, and I think Aaron Hill is a great example. We've known Aaron for a long time. Um, and from, again, from where Tantrum began, to where it went last year is just like night and day. And so, again, that's where you've got to invest that roster spot sometimes in someone who you think's worth it, you know. um, So, and it, you know, that's that's where I like to think a lot of that. Like, and so I'm always looking for someone like Droopy to, to build a 250 or, you know, I'm always looking for, oh, I wonder if Calvin will ever do his own bot and kind of leave Madcatter or – Lucy going to do her own thing. And and then I take those relationships and go, oh, okay. So the idea of Sawblaze versus Ribot has some interesting backstory to it. And the idea of Shadow versus Sawblaze has some nice ring to it and things like that. So I take a lot of that stuff and the personalities and what happens uh, in those kind of uh, other tournaments and try to bring it to the floor. And sometimes you get to talk about it in the show. And sometimes, as you mentioned before, it's just kind of there as an Easter egg for people to be like, Man, how did they how did like did they know that Shredder was having a go at Tomb, you know, at Tombstone online? Um, you know, <laughs> like I don't I don't roadmap that in the episode, but if you knew about it, you're like, oh someone someone there knew something. <laughs> um you know so that's i'd rather it be like that where people go oh wow man someone really someone knew that or you know uh these guys fought in king of bots oh wow that's really clever that they're fighting again now or whatever it might be um so yeah and and a lot of that came from just when i first got into battle when i was first invited into the world in about march of 2015 when you you know, as someone who didn't know the world, diving in and watching RoboGames, Robot Wars, Robotica, you name it, anything I could get my hands on, and then going to some of these events and meeting the builders and that kind of thing, you you wanna you wanna do the world justice and the only way to do that is to immerse yourself a little bit. Now mm-hmm. by no means am I I'm never gonna be able to go round for round, even with, with people like yourself, you know, who know, you know, every every little nuance, but um, you know, I kind of I, I like to think I've got my finger on the pulse a little bit, and uh, that we can bring that to the show because then bleeding the best of those people into the show is just. I, I think that's why the quality is getting better and better. It's yeah. just, you know, people who have a pedigree at thirty or twelve or whatever are now getting in there at two fifty, getting good fights and and getting real shots at the title, and uh, it, it's pretty exciting. It's cool. Well, as a fan, I want to say thank you for following along with all that
3: stuff because quite frankly, uh, it makes for better storytelling on the show. You know, knowing like being able to slip in those things, those relationships. Man, the the fights between Ribot and uh and Sawblaze were awesome. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was a cool moment. And like, um, it was a cool moment on the show, whether you knew knew the history or you didn't, because you saw that emotion. You saw um, you saw Jameson, like, being proud, you know what I mean? Yeah, like,
4: there's a heritage there, whether you know it or you don't. And and it, I think it gives you a joy when you are a real insider and you know. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, Malice is going up against Shatter. Man. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it really – Yeah, there's, you know, there's history
3: there. There's, like, there there's a relationship is. there. It's good, yeah.
4: Totally, you know. Or, you know, you, you go, you know, oh Scorpius against hijinks wow okay like you know for the hardcore fans they're like wow think of the layers of that yeah for a casual observer vegas go cool scorpius versus hijinks great you know but there's heaps more layers there if you know it you know little things like you know for me having perfect phoenix last year was you know a little way of having paul there without paul there
2: yeah. you know.
4: um in having brutality you know um And because his brutality was one of the first bots I ever heard about um, in the world, because of what happened with Biohazard, and so it's just like, oh, cool, that's that's really cool. Um, You know, now we do our best of of uh, telling those stories, and sometimes it might be a little convoluted for the for for the armchair viewer, but I think most of our fans go, okay, cool, it was Paul's bot. You know, he gave it to him. Ray's helping him out. Cool, let's go.
3: Um, so this is a this is an interesting question from Andrew Lynch. Um, so I know that you're in the room with the uh, conversations kind of about the arena and the hazards and whatnot. What's the craziest arena hazard that's been considered for the show? Um, and is the is the upper deck the extent of the arena changes that we can expect to see in the upcoming seasons? Or do you think we've got more changes coming in our future?
4: I don't know if we've got more changes coming in the future but it's certainly not the craziest thing we've discussed. <laughs> uh, um I mean the you know back in the day BattleBots had an incredible group of uh key art done uh kind of vision boards and a lot of it had just all the cool stuff from back in the day robot wars like the San Fran events like you know, giant swing balls and all sorts of things. <laughs> so weird, yeah. You know? And like we've talked about, you know, different surfaces of floor, undulation, different levels. We've thought of out in the desert with no box. We've thought of in the LA River without a box. We've thought of, you know, just about anything you can think of, we've thought of in terms of wouldn't this be cool? Um and often you come back to safety and you know, that it's very hard to change the box once it's done. And if you had, you know, say dirt in the box or something like that, then you've got to reset it. It eats time into your day yeah. and the production schedule is just so hectic. You can't do it. Um, But we definitely always look at things and go, Oh, how do we do that? Yet I've got to say, I always have a healthy dose of, I like the bots to figure it out in the end. And so I kind of like that we, you know that the bots decide the outcome. Most, you know, ninety-nine percent of the time, um, in the arena now. Like I think, uh, you know, the old days of uh, of Pete on the console, um, you know, bring up the sores and stuff, um, was fantastic, fun. But now the sport's kind of evolved a bit to a bit where it's like, you know, what I'm glad that you know. The, the two bots decide the outcome, you know. Now, things like the upper deck, I think, has been a really interesting way of changing mm. changing the puzzle a little bit, you know, um, to freshen it up. And maybe it will stick around, maybe it won't. I'm not quite sure. But it's interesting to see how everyone adapted um, and it definitely kept everyone on their toes from the, from not just the builders, the production and Chris and Kenny and Pete and, you know, as you can imagine, you're Chris and Kenny and you've, you've done 109 hours of TV um one way and now it's like oh wow what's what's that how's this going to change things and even even the stuff you don't think about like how easily can they see the other side you know right yeah that makes sense you know so even when they're calling action now if you're on the other side of the upper deck in the short corner away from them their line of sight is really bad to there you know so now they're living on the monitors you know so there's all sorts of production things beside you know um you know a distant second to what the builders go through, but it was a learning curve for everybody.
3: Yeah, man. The one arena hazard that I really like and that is almost never there are those weird wedge floor flippers that y'all <laughs> used to bring out just for the rumbles back in like yeah. the first two ABC
4: seasons, and then
3: they disappeared. Yeah. Um, so they're,
4: they they're they're still built into the floor, believe it or not. Um, and so in ABC. Uh, we, we it was you know, we had what's called business standards and practices and so it was like you know they can't we can't do that right it, It's all got to be automated everyone's got to know what's coming. But in the rumbles which were a bit of fun, Pete would just go for it and uh, not Pete Abrams <laughs> but uh, uh, Pete box Pete right uh, and so he would uh he'd just fire them up every so often and we'd be like what the hell where'd that come from <laughs> so, you know,
3: I, it's so weird to see those pop out during a rumble because yeah. you're like wait what <laughs>
4: we're like and and like i swear people would lie to me i'd be like what happened through comms oh it, it just happened i'm like oh come on <laughs> it doesn't just, someone hit the button you know um so that's, that's part of the fun of it, you know. Like if I, you know, one of the things I really, really miss because of the schedule being so tight is some of the rumbles and grudge matches that we did on the ABC show. Yeah,
3: because um, you got so many bots, which actually this leads me right into my next question for you. Yeah. Um, so Noel Villegas has a math question. Ooh, I love math questions. All right. So there's 40 hours of show this season. Assuming each episode is two hours, that means 20 episodes. Correct. So do we have 20 regular season tournament episodes? If not, can you tell us about the non-regular season tourney slash tourney episodes?
4: I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. (laughs) Um, No, it's a wonderful question, and I think here's my cryptic response. Or not so cryptic. Uh, The regular season – and the tournament will play out in the same way it did in season five. Okay. That, that's the best I can give you. So more 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 coming. There's a little bit of a tease. More there is more coming. Gotcha. So
3: so much like Bounty Hunters was a surprise.
4: Exactly. Uh, this there, there be, will also
3: be a, there may be a surprise this season.
4: Yeah, I think I think if you're doing the math and you go, hey, last year it was all wrapped up in 14 2 hour episodes. And there's 12 hours of something else, you know, you could logically conclude something
3: from that. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I'm going to uh, give you over to my friend Lindsay, who's got some more listener questions. Thanks, Carl. Thank hey, you. Lindsay.
2: Hey, Aaron. So good to talk to you again. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I have a bunch more <laughs> listener questions. You are a very popular person, as you might imagine. Um, oh, thank you.
4: That's oh, cool. That's cool. <laughs> so, I love that people want to know this stuff because it's in my head twenty two hours a day. Trust me.
2: Oh yeah, and you are in people's head. I would say twenty four <laughs> hours a day too. So
4: um, well, the bots are thankfully not me. That would be very bad. But yeah, thankfully yeah, the yeah. show and the bots are.
2: Well, it shows that you're doing something right, which is yeah, uh, exactly.
4: We yeah. we got the best fans ever, man. They get so good.
2: It it's so true. Um, actually. I'm looking here and the next four questions that I have lined up for you are actually from builders. um, And some of them are kind of cheeky as you might imagine, but uh, (laughs) the first one here comes from P1 team member, Anthony D'Ambrosio, who writes Aaron, thanks for all the hard work this season. I think fans will agree as the season progresses that it's filled with some of the best matchups in the history of the show.
4: Oh, wow. How did you yeah. like
2: the new Vegas venue versus the previous year's Long Beach venue?
4: That's a really uh really cool that he says that, first off, and uh it's a good question. I think Vegas, I love the energy. I think because it felt like I mean, so much of a crowd was there. We had some amazing fans who were just there day after day after day. Vegas, incredible, and they brought the most amazing energy. So even when there was four hundred people, I want to say we had room maybe for a thousand. Say you know, say it was only four hundred, it felt like a thousand. And then the days that were sold out were just incredible. Um, So the energy of everyone, I don't know if it was because they're in Vegas and what happens in Vegas. I don't know, like if they were just having a good time and it's COVID and we all felt like getting away or what it was, there was just a buzz to the crowd every day. It was just, I really felt it. Um, Long Beach is an incredible venue, but for anyone who hadn't been there, it was really sparse. Like it was two of the biggest aircraft hangars you can ever imagine. And it was, I mean, the battle box and the stage and everything is huge, but it was a dot, in the footprint of the place. And so it felt very empty, even when it was full. Whereas this new arena where the roof is, the feel of the whole place, it just feels electric. It feels like a really cool college basketball venue where it gets the crowds on top of you and they're making so much noise and it's echoing everywhere. That to me was the biggest thing because it, it, it brought the best out of the bots. It brought the best out of the production team. Uh, and And I think that was really, really cool.
2: I imagine it was a big change uh, just in terms of space in the pits uh, compared to last year at Long Beach where, you know, they had extra pit space uh, from the, I guess, like the COVID, you know, regulations. And now uh, they probably missed having that extra space.
4: It's a classic thing of like once – this is probably a terrible analogy. But once you undo your belt at the buffet, you can't tighten it up, right? So like once (laughs) you – once you've given the builders as much space as they had in season five, no one wants to go backwards for season six. I totally get it. So we ended up making the new kind of tent hanger as close to that as we could. So I think it still was good space, nowhere near what the old Boeing hanger had in Long Beach, um, but I think it was still a fair represent. It was still a fair amount of space.
2: All right, so we have a, a question here from Monsoon Captain Tom Brewster, who we will all, you know, very much miss this upcoming season. Um,
4: yeah, yeah it was oh,
2: what a what a just heartbreaking like story, but um, oh.
4: yeah. It's,
2: uh, it does it did uh but he wants to know uh what would have monsoon's matchups have been if they had made it along with uh their crate and then he he followed it up by saying missing the battle bots fam with a little heart
4: oh uh, uh we love tom and we we really it was hard seeing the crates for bots like monsoon just sitting there you were just like can we just crack it open and get tom on a zoom or something um he was much missed. Um, and so just for everyone who doesn't know, so uh, there was a bunch of British teams who were meant to come um, and unfortunately uh, some paperwork that had to go through the State Department didn't come through in time, uh, which really sucked. Um, and so that you know caused some headaches, as you can imagine. Um, okay, since since Tom's being deliberately a little cheeky, I'll be a little deliberately cheeky back. And B, he was probably going to fight Endgame, Hydra, and Tombstone. <laughs> and uh, no sweat. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. There you go. Run the gauntlet. Run the gauntlet. <laughs> uh,
2: so, all right, we have a, a question here from Sawblaze Captain Jameson Go, who says, Why is Sawblaze your favorite bot ever? And <laughs> will it open for this season? Uh, and then this is actually something that Tom Brewster asked as well. Uh, when season seven?
4: Um, so Blaze is, you know, I love Jameson. I love his team. Uh, you know, I love that bot. Everything about that team is just, it's battle bots at its best. Um, which is why they've ended up kind of leading the last, you know, being the first, uh, in the first fight, uh, in the in the past few seasons, uh, this year they're also leading off at episode one in their fight against Minotaur. So the streak remains. Um, yeah, they're just an amazing bot, and to think of you know, um, that whole team going back to Overhaul days and Brutus and Adam and Charles, um, and even uh, uh, Road. Oh man, terrible memory. It's gone. But uh, Dane's bot um you know they'll just road rash they'll just just cool you know james singus is the best uh you know he's a great team and a great bot and the energy's great what the bot does is great he always brings it i mean even just you know watching what you guys did you know at norwalk you know and you see silent spring and 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 megatron like you know he just brings it no matter what and uh like so many of the teams you know and uh So he's great. And hopefully season seven isn't too far away. I mean, it's always, you know, it's the million dollar question. And now that, you know, uh, discovery has been like, Hey, yeah, cool. Let's do two seasons. I, you know, I would hope that if our numbers are good out of the gate, that we'll be starting to talk to them about what season seven might look like really soon. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously Omicron and COVID is a thing and, uh, we're dealing with this a lot longer than many of us hoped. But, you know, we'll start to look at Windows for what Season 7 could be and uh, and take it from there. So, you know, watch this space.
2: All right. So uh, a related question from Al Kindle. Yep. <laughs> what is your favorite bot and why is it Blacksmith?
4: I mean, it's got to be because of the memes. That's why he's the best. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know how many times I've sent people that meme of him just watching Blacksmith fly. Um, you know, I, I, you know, Al and, and Blacksmith. I'm just so glad they're back. It's such an incredible robot. Um, it's really like Al upped his game this year. Wait till you guys see it. It's it's incredible. Um, what he's done with the weapon is amazing. It's still got the spirit of Blacksmith though. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, yeah. What's not to love about Blacksmith? He's given us some of the best fights of all time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it really looks like by taking that year off, he was still hard at work um, because, you know, I, I haven't seen, obviously, the new Blacksmith fight, but it looks drastically, you know, redesigned, like beefed up. Um, it's I'm just, beefier. So
4: it, it's just so cool. It's so cool. It's beefier. I think he's looked at, certain judges' decisions that have happened in the past and gone how can I change that. I mean, honestly, like making the free shipping blacksmith fight was literally the easiest fight of the season. Like there was no way that wasn't being in the first fight cut. Like I was the moment they both were confirmed, I was daydreaming because they get <laughs> two of my favorite bots. I guess I could watch Gary fight anybody. I could watch Al fight anybody. And so putting them together is just lightning in a bottle, and um, it, you know, I I could what's have I could the whole fight card could just be man I'd be happy.
2: Knowing the track record of Blacksmith and of free shipping, like my educated guess is that this goes to a judge's decision. And man, I know how happy Al Kindle would be to actually uh, win <laughs> in a judge's.
4: Well, decision. the cool thing is, like, and I always like just try to think of a bad free shipping or bad Blacksmith fight. You can't do it. You can't. You really can't, right? Like, it's kind of like Kraken to me. Like, I love Matt and Kraken. And, you yeah. know, I guess Kraken to me is one of those. And that's, I always, you know, I, I was talking before to the guys about Reddit and stuff. And I know, obviously, there feels sometimes like there's a preoccupation with spinners for the energy and all that for the good TV they make. But personally, as a guy who makes a lot of the fights, I love the non destructive bots because it messes with the schedule. <laughs> When you put two big heavy hitters in it, like you need the Krakens and the blacksmiths and the free shippings of the world that can take a hit and keep on going. Um, so I'm, I'm a little partial to those kind of bots. So that's, I love having Overhaul back and Charles because that's such a tough bot. Lucky's such a tough bot. There's some really. Um, and then I haven't even mentioned Yeti coming back, which is one of my all time yeah.
2: favorites.
4: And him and and Greg and Christian working together is just, you know, it's it's you know it it's it's like cookies and cream like how can you not love it
2: i love that i love that so much um all right so speaking of sawblaze fellow Sabe ben moak wants to know uh why you know sawblaze versus Scorpius yet?
4: well i mean it's one of those matches right that just everyone wants to see and so sometimes it's fun to make people wait for it you know like oh, to man. me you know to me there's always there's two types of fights. There's the one that you can't wait for, that it just has to happen, right? For me, Endgame Hydra was a fight that had to happen. I had to have it straight away. I didn't want to build up to it all season. I wanted it in show one. I want the champion versus the guy who went undefeated in a regular season. Like It just, it works on so many levels. I I want need that fight. There's other fights, maybe like sorbet Scorpius, where you wait and see what happens and try to find the right spot for it. You know, it's kind of like the mystical Son of Waiachi versus Tombstone fight that's never happened, you know. <laughs> it's like it's it's something I've wanted to schedule forever and probably will never get to now because Sal's retired. But, um, you know, it was one of those fights I always wanted, you know. it's um, Then there's others like Tombstone Beta that just have to happen, you know. Um, there's ones like Minotaur Blacksmith having a rematch that had to happen. There's ones like, you know, um, you know, so the – everything different horses for different causes but yeah sawblaze scorpius uh, you know again that's one where i'm trolling myself on reddit going <laughs> yeah why won't they do that fight it makes total sense they should do it you know so yeah i i, I hear and see all <laughs>
2: but, so yeah know, to yeah. all listeners in the uh in the reddit forums just be careful you never know who you're talking to
4: yeah, and chances are you're always talking to me and really don't worry about it because I, I love every minute of it and have fun of it. And it's, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, there is the entire kind of committee and discovery that the filter has to go through. um, And that's where sometimes, you know, like it, it not, you know, sometimes I'll have a plan for a fight card and by the time it gets through everybody, it's mutated a little bit, you know? So nothing's, you know, it's not a, it's not a dictatorship. It's a very democratic process with a lot of voices. Um, and so, you know, which is what I love about it. And it's also why I want one of the builders potentially to join us on the inside so that they can see that and 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 be a part of it and be like, oh, cool. I see how the sausage is made now. That makes total sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Pain Train Captain Evan Arias has a two-part question. First, who are some of your favorite competitors in and out of the arena?
4: Ooh, that's a good question. Well, Evan's one of them. I, I love Evan. I'm um, really glad he's back. Um, as I mentioned, I think, before to Kyle, like Shredded Bro, I've absolutely loved watching. Um, and I love, I love the, what it's trying to do by, you know, by having a pedigree at that weight class and coming here. I love what it says about the sport. Um, and I love what Evan, you know Evan's just he's so aggressive, yet a really cool guy. He's just uh, fantastic. so, um, but I mean, I could say that about all the builders. I really, you know, it's such a good community. All of them are fair. Like, you know, I you know there's teams like Valkyrie and Leanne who I absolutely think the world of um, you know, obviously, you know, hypershock, will, Witch doctor, Ray um zach and diane bunny and malice um aaron ginger alex jameson i mean it's gotten to the point really where it feels like i'm very fortunate to consider most of the builders friends uh on a certain level um i know it's hard because they're sporting what they love and i'm probably sitting near the top of a power structure that's you know um deciding their fate a little bit. So it can't always be, hey buddy, how you doing? But um that's how I feel towards them. I have a lot of warmth towards them and love what they do, love how they do it and know that we don't have a show without them on any level. So I'm always respectful of that. And I'm just so thankful that they've welcomed me and my family on so many levels into the community. Um, and that's I mean that's why we all love it. It's just such an incredible community of people. It's so welcoming. Um, It has its nuances and its little groups and clicks and things, but at the same time everyone has a common goal of just being good people and having a good event. And, um, yeah, it's just such a good world. How can you you not love everybody?
2: Yeah, I mean, normally, you know, when someone answers like, oh, everyone's my favorite, I kind of go like, yeah, yeah, but, like, who's really your favorite? But in a community (laughs) and, like, this one and in this particular sport, I mean – it's impossible to choose like it truly is is everyone
4: it is hard and as I meant like I Paul Ventimiglia is a good friend and I would do anything for him um and obviously he hasn't been on the show for a couple years but I mean he was you know my first you know my big tv show I mean this is becoming a defining uh moment in my career for seven years I've been the showrunner of BattleBots um you know after this year it's six seasons 149 hours of television it's, you know, in my life, it's going to be like the BattleBots era, you know, and for three of the first four years, Paul was the champion, you know, like he, he, he means a lot to me and, and the world that we've created. And, uh, he's a dear friend, Mark's a great, Mark Devitz is a great friend. There's just so many good people. Um, and I'd like to think, you know, they all, all think well of me and the whole production team. Cause I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of love. Between the production team and the competitors and we all do a lot of hard work and, you know, have long days and some things work out better than others. But at the end of the day, hopefully we all know each other. We all care about each other, care about BattleBots, care about the sport of combat robotics, wanting to put it in its best light and telling their stories and showing what they do really cool. So I think I think that comes across, or at least I'd like to think so.
2: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, all right, so this is the second part uh, of Evan's question. Very serious. Okay, okay. How do I get onto Shark Week?
4: <laughs> I mean, if we can't get Shark Oprian on Shark Week, I don't know how we get Evan on. You know what I mean? you think we'd have some strings we could pull. Um, you know, so, hey, if I ever pull it off, Evan will be, I'll make sure to invite Evan.
2: <laughs> well i know shark shark is at norwalk evan is you know very heavily involved at norwalk maybe he can get the bot up and running again and hey uh yeah
4: we'll see maybe um, we can do you know the, the trouble is the obvious thing is a real shark versus a battle bot and i don't think anyone would let us do that
2: oh yeah no that seems like a a That's lot a of idea. different uh animal yeah. safety That's
4: <laughs> do on any level so, you know, we'd really need we really need another animal morphic bot for it to go against. Maybe that's Ooh. the key. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's one for a creative builder out there to come up with some way of doing that. Love um, it. Yeah.
2: All right. So Sporkinot Captain Lilith Spect wants to know, why did newbie bot redacted get so many fights?
4: Cause they're so good. And I mean <laughs> I just wanted to see them fight NDA so bad. <laughs> um you know, I've uh, redacted. I mean, it gets for a rookie, redacted just brought so much to the table.
2: A lot of buzz, a lot of oh, buzz for so this rookie. Buzz.
4: So much buzz. I mean, anytime there's only so much information about a team, you just can't help but want more, you know? And <laughs> I think they do a really good job of getting stuff out there and teasing us. And uh, I mean, I think redacted is going to be the, the real hero of the season.
2: Redacted is uh, this year's Rusty.
4: Without a doubt. Without a doubt.
2: <laughs> All right. So James Williams has an interesting philosophical question. What would you like to see from new bots or teams that is different from the current meta?
4: Oh, now that's a cool question. Um, very cool question. I mean, I'm still fascinated with other types of motion. So shufflers and walkers and things like that. Um. So, I'd love to see that kind of get refined a little more. Um, I don't one of the things I'm always interested in is the idea of a multibot and someone trying to make that truly work in like a can you come up with a rock paper scissors in a changeable multibot kind of thing that then gives you where the weight isn't such a disadvantage that it's not it's not just, oh well, you get separated, and it's eighty against two fifty and it's over. Is there some way of doing something there? I'm kind of fascinated with that. Um, And yeah, that's it. And then other than that, I think, you know, it's the builders actually will answer the question a million times better than me, because to me, the meta does keep evolving um, and it's through their minds, which are far better than mine that will come up with it. Um, But that's why for me as a selector, I just keep my mind open to everything and and try not to uh, be narrow-minded and just go well this has worked so let's do that again
2: that's great um so all right Matthew Cahoy wants to break some news here and I know that you can't do that (laughs) but uh, I'm gonna read his question and then I'm gonna maybe you know give some wiggle room or something. So he says, uh, any chance that Aaron can spill the beans on when we're filming season seven, the behind the bots listeners could use the extra time to book flights. So I know you can't, we know there's no, you know, there's no answer to this at this point, even if you wanted to share it, it seems like there's just not the, the info, but, um, ideally if you could plan this out, like what month would you see, filming take place
4: i mean i think you're right in that it's impossible to save there's way too many variables i think it would be you know it would be natural that we would want to be eventually in a position where it was the cycle right so you know in a perfect world you'd want to be shooting either in a similar time to what we just did or a little bit before maybe um knowing that vegas is very hot in the summer um you know, and that we're likely in Vegas, that would kind of draw your attention to either you'd have to go super fast and do it, you know, in April or something like that, April, May, which seems a little, you know, too quick, or you'd be looking at the back end of summer. Um, That would be, to me, a logical deduction. Again, with no actual plans in motion, but just that would make sense.
2: That makes sense to me. All right. So Tom Farkas, our favorite toy store manager from Cooperstown, has a three-part question. Uh, So the first, you kind of have touched on this a little bit, but what goes into picking matches for fight nights?
4: I mean, really, it's looking at the pool of available bots. Uh, You know, so in any one day, you know, we try to schedule 20 fights, 10 in each session, and so that requires 40 functioning robots. And so you don't know until the end of the fight day, you know, so the fight day ends, let's say the session ends at nine o'clock or ten o'clock. Um, you know generally Greg and Peter will then get the word from the pits or go travel down the pits and talk to people about where they're at. Um, you know, I'll lock myself in a bunker and start coming up with some kind of first pass of what the fights might be. And that process really is looking at each bot. I think I mentioned this last year, but for anyone who didn't hear it, I kind of look at each bot and think of what their narrative arc for that for this season is. So if they're a front runner and they've just been had a surprise upset, then what do I want them to do next? Do I want them to be challenged or do I want them to have one where they get their mojo back? And that answer is always going to be different depending on the bot and the year and where they're at um is it a rookie who's just beaten another rookie and now they need to step up and who are they stepping up against are they stepping up against one of the big dogs or are they stepping up against uh, someone more kind of in the middle of the pack um and then what's that going to do to their trajectory um and then you also have to take kind of the upper echelon bots and go these are the marquee names that everyone wants to see that are kind of in that main event kind of territory how do you give them matchups that are juicy that everyone will want to see? Yet you've also got to take into account their strength of schedule. And if they're just fighting top ten bots and go 0-3, then they probably can't make the tournament. And is that good for the show? Um, you know, that a bot that everyone knows is one of the best in the world is now out because they faced, you know, three really tough opponents. Then at the same time, you're factoring in how many spares they have, how much rebuild time they have. Uh, Have they got teammates flying in the next day, leaving the next day? Uh, Are more people arriving in two days? Were they not able to get in the box today? Did they pass safety? Did they fail safety? And you're doing that basically times the 60 robots in the field. And then you're trying to work out the 40 who can fight tomorrow. And then you're trying to work out the matchups that make sense. And so, you know, you just think about it. If you spend two or three minutes on every fight, you know, that would be an hour. And in reality, you want to give it more consideration than that. So it ends up being, you know, 60 minutes to 90 minutes. So I'll have a preliminary fight card. Then Greg and Pete will join me and we'll talk through everything that happened in the pits. Uh, we'll adjust everything and have a good old chat about it. And then we'll share it with the other people who need to know. Um, and then finally, you know, somewhere around two hours after we're done or so, the preliminary fight card exists, it gets, you know, then it gets spread out to the builders by a discord and paperwork gets built up and everything so that when everyone lands in a few hours time in the morning, the camera crew, etc, they know what's happening. So that's, that's kind of the process.
2: While you have maybe the coolest job in all of the world, it is also something that I do not envy because just like having that much, just like being responsible for creating the fight cards is, is such an undertaking and so um, scary.
4: (laughs) And the thing is, you've got to be right, right? Like you can't, you know, unfortunately, you know, pushing matches between bots who aren't right for each other We'll get the show cancelled. So you know, I you know, in in a world where we've got ten regular season episodes with seven fights in them, you need seventy fights, and we have at the moment we've got four preliminary days with twenty fights a day at our best. So that's you've got eighty fights to get seventy. So one out of every eight can can be a stinker. Um, now we're very fortunate, and the field is so good, and everyone's so good um that we hit that mark but that's that's where that pressure comes in and that's you know and then that's where the network weighs into and sometimes you know a matchup, you know because you know builders get a sense when we're talking to them and things like that they might be like oh i have a feeling i'm gonna get this match up and then they don't and sometimes you know i get it, it can be upsetting they've worked the whole year for this and maybe they have two or three fights to prove themselves um, you know, but there's so many different factors going into what those fights are. Um, you, you, just hope that they get to put their best foot forward every time in the box. And, you know, the biggest thing is to know we do it trying to be fair and trying to care for everybody, um, is kind of our thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Tom's second question is a little bit spicy. Um, have you ever had a team refuse a fight?
4: Um, Yes. There's there's been there's been times. Um, you know, some of them I think are out there in the ether as anecdotes or stories. Um, you know, not so much recently. Um a lot of that has to do with back in the day on ABC and and early days of discovery, um, I would announce the fights in the pits. And also, this was pre-COVID, and so people could come up to me and Greg and, and straight away and be like, "Hang on a minute, that's not going to work for me. I've got this, this. This, you know." And sometimes it's a scheduling thing. Sometimes it's, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Greg and Pete will do the rounds, and you know, maybe we didn't know that someone's, you know, someone's primary team member has to rush back to LA and is going to be gone for 24 hours, and this is such a big fight. Do they have to fight it tomorrow? You know, things like that. So there has been occasions uh, where we've had to twist fights. And then, of course, what happens very often is we have to adapt on the day when bots aren't ready. So, you know, bots aren't ready. And unfortunately, the show has to keep moving. We're on such a tight schedule that you've got to keep rolling. Um, And so if you're not ready to go, then we have to think on our feet about who's available and what matchup makes sense. Um, and then get them in there and then you know you worry the other team who was preparing for team x is now fighting team y and you hope that doesn't you know ruin things for them um so yeah it does it it has been known to happen
2: yeah totally so okay um his third question i think you maybe touched on it a little bit but just to to get it out there are there going to be any bounty hunter episodes or additional content that we can expect this year
4: i think yeah the perfect thing to say is that the 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 regular season and tournament will happen in the same fashion as last year so there needs to be something else and that's something else you'll find out very soon
2: cool cool fun um all right so we have just a couple uh questions left here um one is from nick sacco who asks what are the things that you know Discovery loves about the show and that you're stoked to make them even happier and even more willing to renew?
4: Um, they love uh, they love uh, fire. They love uh, bots exploding and flying all around the arena. They love the production value. Um, they love the spectacle that we put on. They love that it feels like sports. Um, they love uh the the idea that these builders uh can be your next door neighbor they love that they're real people with real jobs and real emotions um they love all of that and they they love all the people we've met and the incredible group of builders who the world's gotten to know the network knows and loves them too and wants to see what the next leg of their adventure is going to be um also, they love Chris and Kenny. They love Farouk, love Pete. Um, and so that's a real win that they, they love the talent in front of the camera. They love the builders. They love the spectacle. They love the fights. Um, you know, I think they love, we, they think we've found the right balance in terms of fights and talking about the fights and behind the scenes stuff. I think that was one of the things that they felt really, really strongly about last year was that we've kind of finally hit the sweet spot that we've been searching for. Um, It'll never quite be enough fighting, I'm sure, for the hardcore fans. Um, But I think it's a good sweet spot that lets the casual fan learn about the world and enjoy it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's close out our interview with a good question from Eddie Friend who wants to know, what is the best way that we, as fans that love BattleBots, can let Discovery know that we want to that we want to see there be more seasons than The Simpsons? Well put, Eddie.
4: Oh, Eddie, you're my favorite person in the world. Um, you know from your from your email or message, Eddie. I hope. Um, I mean, the big you know, it sounds cliche, but the biggest thing to do is to watch. If you DVR it, watch it in the first three days. It really does matter um if you're watching on discovery plus that's great get through the whole episode if you can um completion rate is a real thing on streaming platforms so try to get to the end of the episode don't just kind of watch 10 minutes and then let it be um you know so that matters and then i always just find just engagement in general the 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 fans are so great on facebook and reddit um but Engaging on things like Twitter and the team's pages themselves are great. Um, Also just supporting the teams in general, whether it be, you know, on the, on the super awesome end, it's buying merch and that kind of thing. But I know for the teams, it's great just to know that you love them and that you like them and you hope they do well. It, It means the world to all of these guys. And as we talked about earlier, you know, no one does this on the builder side for the money. They do it for the love of it and for the fans. And that's what makes our builders such an incredible group of people. Um, so support them that way and hashtag WeWantSeason7 and watch it many times, tell your friends, and hopefully we can stop that thing that we all hate of like, oh, battle BattleBots, is that a thing still? Um, you know, that's that's my least favorite phrase in the world.
2: Ours too, and we try to correct it every every turn. (laughs) I know. Um, so Aaron, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and talking with us today. Um, it's been so fantastic to have you back. And from the bottom of my heart, and I know from our team, thank you for all of the work you do because you are such an integral person and part to bring us this thing that we love so much so thank you again for everything that you do and we are so looking forward to seeing the season premiere of BattleBots Yay! this Thursday on the Discovery Channel
4: uh, Thanks for having me, thanks for everything you Luke and Kyle do for the community as well um, and all the interaction you guys have with the builders and everything, it's just fantastic and pleasure to be here and love talking to you guys and Hopefully, season six is the biggest, best ever, and just uh, hope everyone enjoys it.
1: After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World.
2: Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. Now, at the top of the show, I told you that this was a weird one. So thank you for sticking around because this is a weird one. Uh, This week, we're traveling to Tokyo, where roboticists at Yukai Engineering have built a soft robot that is designed to nibble on your finger, delivering what the company calls a, quote, (laughs) somewhat pleasing sensation. (laughs) Oh, God! Just a somewhat pleasing sensation. This
3: marketing team needs to be shot. Like, why would you ever describe your thing as somewhat pleasing? Like, no. (laughs) Because
2: if they just said pleasing sensation, I think that that would have to be marketed as a different product.
3: Oh, true. Yeah, valid. Well, how
2: adding somewhat makes it, like, less so. Um, But, so, the robots, which are... (laughs) which are um, shaped like household pets have mouths, um, which you can stick your finger into, ju- just your finger, and you stick it into the mouths of these robotic household pets, um, and then uh, you get nibbled on. Uh, so in a press release, the company's chief marketing officer described it like this, quote, Most people like the nibbling sensation, (laughs) but they know they need to teach their children or pets to stop it. Because kids and animals will otherwise bite them with full force eventually. Yes, that is why you tell your child not to nibble on your finger just because one day they'll bite it with full force. Not because it is the weirdest thing and probably a not great habit to just have a human do to their parent. Um,
1: Amaga- I feel like this was designed to stop some kind of bad habit but it's just gonna spark a whole lot of worse habits
2: <laughs> just uh, yeah uh, uh, Amagami Ham Ham is the name uh, <laughs> and it's a robot that frees humankind from the conundrum of whether to pursue or not to pursue the forbidden pleasure Um, Yeah, that's not something that I've ever toiled with myself, but clearly there are people out there who have really racked their brain as to whether or not to allow their child or pet to continue nibbling on their fingers uh, for the somewhat pleasing sensation. So now for those people, you get Amagami Ham Ham.
0: (laughs) Okay, guys, this is my best robots around the world I've ever written. I love this story. (laughs) This is peak robots around the world. We we can retire this segment. Amagami Am M-M Am is here.
2: <laughs> Luke, I do feel like this is something that is tailored for you, given um, you know Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> Go on. You know, uh, of your uh, furry predilections.
0: Oh, my God. Lindsay, stop it. There's new listeners who are coming in this week because they love BattleBots. They have no idea that you're joking, okay? Am I? I am not going to get a little household pet robot that's going to nibble somewhat pleasingly on my fingers,
1: okay? Somewhat. Somewhat.
2: <laughs> luke um remember when we said that your birthday present was really late
0: <laughs> yes that's right it came um, in this week that's what i heard right
2: yeah yeah it's because we ordered it from tokyo <laughs> and Good. it's a, a it's a panda omagami ham ham <laughs>
0: I uh I can't I can't wait to uh you know partake in the forbidden pleasure, you guys. Thanks.
2: Ah, I knew it.
1: <laughs> All right, listen, uh that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest and another robots around the world. Hopefully with one that's a little less uh I don't know. Je ne sais quoi. Lindsay chose I, I have this to... one, okay?
2: <laughs> luke gave me three options and i have to admit that i did choose this one uh, but i didn't know i didn't know all of the the background of it and uh, immediately upon uh luke sending me the text uh the copy i said oh <laughs> i've made a horrible mistake but here we are we'll
0: we'll see you next week folks
3: bye
2: bye watch battle bots on thursday Woo-hoo!
3: ham ham